Hello and welcome to Devour the Podcast. Here, Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 124 of Devour the Podcast. I am your uh, kind of new host, Bo. Uh, David, uh, as many of you know, uh, are, no lo- are no longer. Many Davids were here in the past, and none of them are with us any longer. But uh, we decided that just having me and Jamie talk to each other is a good way to drive people crazy. So we enlisted the aid of one Vanessa McHenry. Vanessa, welcome to Devour the Podcast as a regular host. Thank you for Apparently, having me. We are now an NPR show. I was trying to bring it in all silky smooth. Come on, give me a break, JJ. <laughs> no, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very flattered that you guys asked me. Uh, I've listened to the show for a while, and uh, yeah. And I've enjoyed the the uh, being a guest here, so thank you. Hopefully, I don't fuck things up too much. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the listeners, I'm sure, will let us know. <laughs> Jamie J. Sammons, who I always want to call Jamie J. Jenkins to this day. It's a it's a sickness. <laughs> I answer to whatever you know that I know, but I you know I, I, out of a little bit of a respect, I had to learn that right at some point. No, I guess. I'm glad I would appreciate it. Sure, right, right. (laughs) If nothing else. Uh, But, uh, Jamie, how the hell are you? I am doing well. And, Vanessa, do not worry in the least. If we haven't fucked it up by now, (laughs) you've got plenty of room to play. And I'm very happy to have you on board. Well, I have been uh, very excited to do this for a while. I think uh, a couple of questions are about the new lineup when we get to ask DTP, so I don't want to step all over that. But yeah, you know, super excited. It's always kind of, you know, change is never uh, uh, comfortable. Uh, Sometimes it is more comfortable than others. I think this will be just fine. But you have to kind of embrace change in life, I feel. It's uh, it's one of the in- inevitabilities, and you either get trapped by the fear of change, uh, or you become one who embraces it. And I, for one, embrace change. That being said, let's do our regular segment on Devout the <laughs> Podcast, where we talk about what we've been watching. Uh, we're going to kind of keep it snappy, so we're just doing like one super pick. Uh, and, and let's start with Vanessa since she is kind of our guest for now until the end of the episode, at which point you're now a veteran and then we'll shit on you a bunch more. Sure. That's fine. But for now, like we're, we're probably going to be pretty nice to you. (laughs) I'm not going to get too comfortable. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Don't, don't shit on her too much though. Cause I'll get jelly. 
Oh, no. You know that I, I reserve all my best insults for those I love most. And, uh, yeah. And, and see, all right, that's the, uh, but the Duncan's other. Duncan's not here. No, I don't. I don't pick on Duncan as much as I pick on you. I mean, per capita. <laughs> no, on the episode of VD Clinic that you were on, you were shitting on Duncan. You were shitting on David pretty hard, too, though. I think you told uh, Duncan to suck it, and you told David to fuck off. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. that. that <laughs> I mean, I've, that's affectionate, mostly. Uh, (laughs) anyway, let's not derail so quickly where that's the constant danger of this show, right? Is that Jamie feeds my addiction to tangents. I do. Yeah. So we're hoping here, like we don't have a grandpa. But I could be problematic. See, I could feed into that as well. This may turn into that, uh, like the funniest joke in the world from Monty Python (laughs) where like, they had to translate it and no no two people could translate the same word or it put them in the hospital for a couple of weeks. But it, it, it's sort of like that where like we, we need somebody to, to play guardian. Uh, otherwise, it does lapse into pure insanity, which I think could start one of them. Uh, oh, geez. What was the uh, Carpenter Lovecraft movie? I keep on it. It's not Prince of Darkness. The other one in the mouth of madness. Mouth of madness. Yeah. Like, we could in the mouth of madness this show. <laughs> I can dig on some Sutter Kane. What was, what, what was the, the line in that? Do you, do you read Sutter Kane? Was that it? Yeah, I think what, so. Before they went all cray-cray and started chopping people with axes and whatnots? Which is very funny because earlier today, I think it was earlier today, Brian Post, or maybe it was yesterday, Brian posted a collage of all the Sutter Kane book covers and said, do you read Sutter Kane? So that's, that's very funny. cool. Uh, see, this is the kind of tangents that we were worried about. Vanessa, what have you been watching recently? <laughs> what have I been watching? Um, well, every year for Easter, I usually watch an Antichrist movie, or preferably, like, a saga, like, one year it was The Omen, you know, The Exorcist, whatever. And this year, since it, Easter fa- fell on, uh, April Fool's Day, I ended up watching April Fool's Day. Yeah. <laughs> That's my big watch lately. The original or the remake? The original. I can't. I, I can't. Come on, it. Jamie. Yeah. I well, I, I mean, this is a fair question. I don't know. <laughs> fair enough, but <laughs> and granted, the original isn't you know isn't perfect, but um, I don't know. It's fun. It has a little bit of nostalgia for me for whatever reason. It yeah, it's not a bad movie. I just don't like the the fake out ending. I don't like it in yeah. any movie, and it, mm-hmm. it fully makes sense in a movie called April Fool's Day, but it also pisses me off. See, it doesn't piss me off in this, because you know what the movie is. Yeah, yeah. I, I need to go back and watch it again. It, it's one of those, it, like, watching that movie felt like a bad date, and <laughs> and we just haven't gone out again. Uh, so uh, maybe I need to give it another day in court. Yeah, Possibly. That movie is very special to me. It's one of the ones that I saw at the drive-in with my mom when it came out. I have an original one sheet about three feet from me right now hanging on the wall. And it was also the first movie that Brian and I watched together. I love it. I I endorse you watching that film. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. I'm sure you were waiting for that. <laughs> 
I approve of your behavior as well. Uh, <laughs> Jamie, what about you? What have you been watching lately? Well, I just watched My Friend Dahmer earlier this week. Uh, Brian got it for a review, so we watched that. And I'd been dying to see it anyway. And I know that VD Clinic, you did the graphic novel and the movie, right? Yes. yes. Which I have not listened to yet because I knew that we were going to be watching it. So I wanted to wait until after I watched it. But, okay. um, and I have not read the graphic novel, so I didn't really know. I knew going in that it, that basically it was everything before the, you know, what he became notorious for. All of that happened. So, and I was sort of familiar with his, uh, how he grew up just from, you know, interest and in digging into stuff like that. But it was very interesting to see a side of him that no one really talks about. And the fact that he did actually hang out with people in school and do, even though they weren't like really friends, he did do things with other people, which is not really what I pictured. And also, I don't even think I was ever aware that he had a brother. So, because that's something no one really brings up. Uh, Also, I mean, his brother, his uh, brother has since changed his name and uh, basically disowns that whole portion of his life anyway. So it's, that's not something I was really aware of. So I found that interesting. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I'm looking forward to hearing your discussion about it. Yes. uh, Bo and I have bonded. We found, we know way too much about serial killers. Uh, (laughs) There is no such thing. No such thing as knowing way too much. Yeah. We we go down a pretty deep hole on that episode. Well, then I'm definitely going to be listening to that. That is now moved to the very top of my list. Well, it was pretty much already there anyway. But I, uh, yeah, now I'm dying to listen to it. Because Serial Killers is one of my, kind of like a dark obsession, I guess. Right. I've, I've always been fascinated by the darkness within humanity. And it's not like I glorify what they do or, or think that, you know, they're heroic in any way. I just find it fascinating. And mm-hmm. it, it, it never ceases to amaze me what human beings are capable of visiting on fellow human beings. So, you know, I totally get that. I mean, like I said, I don't think there, I don't think you can know too much about it. You know, some people think that, that an interest in something like that is sick or twisted I don't. I think it's just a fascination in in humans because, you know, that is humanity. It is a part of humanity. You know, if we are willing to face the light side of ourselves, then we must also be willing to face the darkness. All right. Well done. Uh, you can quote me on that if you like. Yeah, that's okay. a real back of the box uh, that you got going on. You know, I'll tell you, you should read the, the graphic novel. Which is only going it, to, it'll take you as long to read that as it does to watch the movie. And, okay. and it, it's not long at all, but I, it's, it's way more nuanced than the film is. And I enjoyed it uh, a ton more. Um, and the more I've thought about it, the more I think it's like truly a really kind of special graphic novel in terms of the kind of emotion that it captures it's it's got a real weird vibe to it that i really like how directly involved was he with the making of the film i think he wrote the script yeah i think he he was in on the screenplay 
Okay, that's what I thought, but uh, I wasn't certain. So, okay, well, I'm definitely yeah. interested. Yeah, yeah I don't think he was the main um, writer of the screenplay, but I know he was in on it. Yeah, and the graphic novel Dahmer is much more of a background character, and and it's kind of to the benefit of the story, I think. Well, and that kind of makes sense. You know, um, I, I can understand why, from the film point of view, they brought him more to the foreground. But as just being a story told from this, you know, character or this, you know, real life person, it makes sense that it would be more about his point of view or whatever. There are honestly things watching the film. There are things that I wonder why did he leap to that conclusion or what makes him know that or, you know, um, things that happened when no one else was around necessarily. It's like, is this something that you just assumed or do you have a reason to believe this? Or was it stuff that was just kind of created for the sake of the film? Well, we talk a little bit about that. Okay, well, I'm going to shut up and listen to the show. That's what I'm yeah. going to do. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I've got a movie I watched this very day that I, I'm real excited about, uh, which is a movie that just showed up on Shudder over the past couple of days called Mon 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 Monsters, which sounds kind of cutesy, but this movie is anything but. Uh, it is a film about this kid who's, uh, you know, probably high school age. And the, uh, he, he's sort of the class runt and is picked on by some local bullies. And then it turns out there's a monster, uh, hiding nearby. That's kind of this weird vampire thing. And he and the bullies end up being together and they capture it. And the movie is kind of all about just how shitty people are. (laughs) So... If you want to feel bad about yourself and the world in general, uh, while also watching a really cool, uh, I think it's a Hong Kong film about weird vampire things and bullies, but it's incredibly grim. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, it actually has a little bit of dead girl in it. Uh, in, in terms of like when they captured this monster, the kind of awful shit that they, they do. It's yeah, it's a great movie. It's really unsettling and it's really uh grim and at the end of it I I felt bad about myself and and the direction of the world and <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of hope or optimism anymore, but I enjoyed the film. <laughs> so, you know, and it's pretty gory. There's some good set pieces in it. There's a slight spoiler here uh only in terms of premise. There is a moment where uh one of the vampire creatures of the film while looking for the one that is missing rolls up onto a school bus uh in search of the missing partner and straight up murders every living thing on this school bus in pretty great fashion so anyway yeah mon 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 monsters uh a high high recommendation um i don't think i'll ever do it for hero hero go show but it was like a movie I can easily recommend. I, my criticism with it is it it's 112 minutes, and if it came in at a, a cool hour 40, I think there's a little bit of fat on it, but that's really my biggest complaint. It's it's fantastic. All right. Sounds like the feel-good movie of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's, man, I, well, because the whole, the whole 
question that the movie is asking is, are we what we say we are, what we believe we are, or, or are we what we do? You know, do our actions define us more than our own perception of ourselves? Because sort of the central character is very insistent on the fact that he's the good guy of the film, but nothing mm-hmm. he does matches that. It's really interesting. It's it really good movie. I highly encourage people to watch it. So uh, enough about that nonsense. We, uh, again, keeping with tradition, are going to roll into the next segment uh, which is news, cub reporter Vanessa McHenry <laughs> assembled uh, a list of horror-related news topics, and now it is up to Jamie to translate that into crazy words that only she understands. And cub reporter for the, you know, including that one story for Bo. Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. That's that's no bullshit. I like seeing stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, Jamie, uh, hit us. Be quiet a second, will you? It's 8 o'clock in Los Angeles. It's 9 o'clock in Denver. It's 10 o'clock in Chicago. In Baltimore, it's 6.42. Time for the 11 o'clock report. Here's Johnny. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Game over, man. Game over. Your mother sucks cops in hell. Okay, well, uh, here comes the news. (laughs) 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 Do you already own the DVD of William Girdler's Grizzly? I own the Blu-ray, yes. How about the collector's edition Blu-ray? <laughs> I don't yes, have do. <laughs> I don't have the 4K remastered edition. Or the re-release of that Grizzly Blu-ray. Or even the Rift Tracks version of Grizzly, which I don't think I've seen. Well now you I can have, toss them good. all in the trash because a 4K remaster of the ultimate killer bear flick is coming to Blu-ray. The 1976 Jaws in the Woods thriller Grizzly, starring Christopher Lee George. Christopher Lee George. (laughs) What the hell happened there? (laughs) Apparently, I I wanted Christopher Lee to be in there (laughs) or something. Oh my god, that would be amazing. As the bear. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, sorry, Christopher George, Andrew Prine, and Richard Jekyll battling a humongous. Hungry Grizzly Bar. And <laughs> we've actually talked about this film here and there in the It's past. one of the finest films ever made, in <laughs> my opinion. It's uh, super awesome. And uh, any any film involving taking out a gigantic bear with a rocket launcher is okay by me. Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but if you get this, not only do you get the 4K restoration of it, but you get a vintage making of Grizzly featurette. The isolated music and effects track. So you can karaoke (laughs) Grizzly? Because I'm into that. I was thinking so I could easily rip it and add it under a add it under a podcast because that's where I go with that. But uh, I, I just I, as long as I get to be Andrew Prine, <laughs> I feel like we all get a copy and we just do it radio show style. 
totally. here for the listeners. Oh, please Devour let the- me be the bear. I am so up for it. <laughs> uh, devour the grizzly. Um, <laughs> fuck. Well done, JJ. <laughs> You get a nightmare theater mode presentation of the film, Jaws with Claws featurette, and this is this is what's most exciting to me: the Beverly Hills Q and A session with Andrew Prime, because I love Andrew Prime, and I just think that would be super fun. The original trailer and optional English S E H subtitles for the main feature, because yay, I don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that how a trailer has now become like it's like exciting because have you noticed that like that was one of the cool things when DVD first came out. One of the cool things about DVDs for me was that you always got the trailer because I've always loved trailers and I just thought that was neat. Well, a lot of releases have been dropping that, which kind of ticks me off. So now it's like a thing again. It's like, look, we've got the trailer, but uh, that's super fun that that's a really cool idea. Hey, a, a quick follow-up question. Who is more homespun, Andrew Prine or Jerry Reed? Ooh. Ooh. I, I might have to say Jerry Reed. Yeah. Fred. Old Fred. <laughs> I like that. I, I've been watching. I've, I've watched Smokey and the Bandit like three times in the past two weeks. It, it's That movie it's is the best. I actually yeah. haven't watched it in a while, but there was a time when my roommate and I watched it probably three times a year. Just I that mean, was that was filmed near where I grew up in Alabama. The uh, fairground scenes were filmed uh, two hour, I mean two hours, uh, two miles from my house growing up. So like the part in the beginning where they were at the fairground mm-hmm. right before he got the uh, well, where with, he got the job to go with little Enos and Big Enos. Yes, yeah, that's right down the street <laughs> from my house. I I was not a big fan of it as a kid and I am watching it more for responsibility than pleasure. And <laughs> it, it, the last viewing in, in particular felt like responsibility there. Like Sally field is real charming in that movie. And the scenes with her and Burt Reynolds are pretty good, but it's such a stupid movie. Like, oh, yeah. it, it just doesn't follow any, rules of plot or logic and it just drives me crazy but it is notably better than stroker ace and yes or better than the sequel which i just most people find this the first sequel tolerable i can't i don't like it at all i mean to me one film exists in that franchise and it is the first one and that was more than enough yeah i i I prefer Cannonball Run to Smokey and the Bandit any day of the week. No. Because it's got a guy shooting drugs into his mouth <laughs> in the back of an ambulance. And that's the best part of Cannonball Run is the lecherous old disreputable doctor that they've got on board. And the organ music that plays every time he's revealed. That's that's a legitimately funny joke. And I defy you to find one in Smokey and the Bandit. Well, Smokey and the Bandit has Jackie Gleason talking about Diablo sandwiches and Dr. Peppers and wanting to smack his m- <laughs> smack that, mama yes. in the mouth. <laughs> that is the one funny thing in that movie, uh, I will grant you. What have the uh, Germans got to do with it? <laughs> God damn it, now I need to watch that movie. It's oh, not, God. It's not what I intended, but all right. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, that story was clearly for Bo because Bear. Yep, because Bo's into bears. 
killer bears. Yeah, like the wildlife, <laughs> not so much the hairy gay men. Uh, I don't, well, I don't judge. Um, I can hook you up with some of those if you need it, but I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> I got too much jealousy. I can't grow a beard. It just pissed me off to look at them. <laughs> well, this next story, uh, Vanessa kindly plucked for me. And uh, it is that James Wan announces new adaptation of Stephen King's The Tommyknockers. Now, if you listen to the show ever, then you know that I'm a big fan of Wan. And uh, which, incidentally, totally unrelated. Have you guys seen the trailer for uh, Upgrade, the new Lee Whannell written yeah. film, scripted film? I think that looks amazing. Yeah, it looks all right. It's like I'm John curious. Wick, but with sci-fi. Um, anyway, so back <laughs> to James Wan and the in uh, his adaptation of the Tommyknockers. Now, personally, I was never crazy about the original adaptation. I like the novel, but I was not nuts about the original adaptation of this film. So it does not upset me at all to see it being redone, and it definitely does not upset me personally to see Juan's name attached in any way. But if you don't recall, that was a miniseries that came out in 1993, we received news that <laughs> that James Wan is planning to bring the novel to the big screen soon. And that's exciting, too, to have. I love how we're having all these King adaptations, like, you know, plucked from miniseries and turned into films. That's fun for me. Uh, Wan will be joining forces with the producers of It, uh, Roy Lee, and the ABC miniseries executive producer, Larry Sinitsky. Sinitsky says it is allegorical. It is an allegorical tale of the addiction. I mean, just kidding. It is an allegorical tale of addiction. Stephen was struggling with his own at the time. And as we all know, I was about to say trucks, but (laughs) (laughs) what was your favorite movie? What's that called? Maximum Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive is proof of that. Trucks? (laughs) Yeah. The threat of nuclear power, the danger of mass hysteria, and the absurdity of technical evolution run amok. All are as relevant today as the day the novel was written. It is also a tale about the eternal power of love and the grace of redemption. Of course, it's about the power of love because Stephen King wrote it. That's what I said. Uh, Juan and Lee, who will produce... Because apparently, according to him, everything can be beaten with love. I don't know. Juan and Lee, who will produce... Via their respective banners, Atomic Monster and Vertigo Entertainment sent out packages to studios and digital streamers such as Netflix on Thursday and said package is, quote, expected to garner keen interest. So what do you guys think about this? Does that excite you at all? Mm, I, I, it's not one of my favorite King books, and I, I don't have a lot of fondness for the miniseries. They might make a good, a, a good one out of it if one is just producing and not directing. Uh, I think it stands a better chance. Shut your mouth. Zing. Well, I, I, um, yeah, I, I, I like the book better than the mini series, but I don't have a, a real like affection for it. It was, you know, it was good enough. So, I mean, they could do something interesting with it, but James Wan is sometimes hit or miss for me. Not that I ever really, really hate his stuff, but it's a matter of do I love it or is it just merely okay? Finally, another another voice of reason on this show. God damn it! Sorry, I don't even, I don't Sorry. even feel like I belong here anymore. No, there's some. There's some. No, I'm just kidding. David really never was on know. my side either with that. <laughs> don't feel bad. 
Yeah, you. It's the same hole that you dug yourself with that Elm Street remake. Oh. You are all alone, Jamie. Not everyone can be as smart as I. Look, <laughs> that whole Elm Street thing, by the way, has kind of become like my thing. <laughs> I have people approaching me all the time about that. <laughs> it's your scarlet, and in. it's like it's it's like, hey, you're the one that I heard. <laughs> That that defended the Nightmare remake. And I get that a lot. And I'm like, yes, that was like 12 years ago. But <laughs> you're that yeah, now, pants woman who defended that remake. I'm picturing like someone, you know, banging on the door of a remote cabin. <laughs> and being let in out of the snow, warming himself by a pot-bellied stove. And like, what are you doing way out here, stranger? I'm, I'm looking for the girl. The, the one that likes the Elm Street remake. <laughs> she ain't been here and going on ten years. <laughs> Some people say she doesn't exist at all. I know, it's like I, I've drifted into legend. <laughs> <laughs> right, there, there are songs. Uh, that's okay, I still wave that banner proudly. Yeah, somebody's gotta. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> this one is about cereal, so that's fun. Um, Funko is launching Freddy Krueger, Elvira, and Beetlejuice cereal. If you look at the pictures, and this is from Bloody Disgusting, um, but if you um, look at the pictures, they're really cute. The boxes are super cute, and it kind of reminds me of monster cereals from you know, Halloween time. I just think it's adorable. And... Each box will include a mini pop vinyl toy. See, that's the best part of it. That is the best <laughs> part because cereals a don't even have toys cereal. anymore. Yeah, a toy with your cereal. A big kid toy with cereal. <laughs> even better. <laughs> oh, yeah, they got, oh, listen to all these licenses they got. This is so fun. Uh, He-Man, Wonder Woman, Elvira, Freddy Krueger, and, of course, Freddy Funko. I guess they didn't have to try hard to get their own license. <laughs> um, they're going to start shipping to stores in June, and they had the distribution set up, and the product is pre-sold. It's just one more of those feel-good Funko items. He continued, I used to watch cartoons on Saturday mornings while I was eating cereal. There are prizes in this cereal, and it will sell for seven $7.99 a box! Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, they're making this a collectible. They're they're gonna yeah. squeeze you for every nerd dollar they can get. Exactly. But when you add when you add milk to the Freddy Krueger cereal, it looks blood red. With the Beetlejuice cereal, when you add milk, it looks like slime. So in every case, you're gonna need a colonoscopy. That is not included with the seven ninety nine at Halloween Whopper level lawsuits or something. Do you guys? Yeah. Know oh, <laughs> yes. The, no, someone's poop is getting turned a weird color. There is. <laughs> No getting around that. You just you book that and take it to the bank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, clearly they are not aiming for the kid market here, uh, but for, yes, dopey, nerdy collectors like myself, and I'm sure I will have them even at seven ninety nine a box. But I'm going to have to buy at least two boxes of each one because i got to eat one. Just to say that I have, and then I have to have one that's sealed, and God, these people like this just have me wrapped around their little finger. I have never 
personally purchased one of those Funko uh, things. I've, I have a couple because they, you, you know, it came with something else or somebody gave it to me or whatever. But I don't like them. I don't think they. I I, I don't think they look good. I think they look like the same kind of shitty plastic mold with different faces slapped on them. Well, and which, different clothes, and that's pretty much true. Yeah, I just I, and I, you know, I, like I'm not trying to shame anyone who enjoys them. It it's just something that doesn't appeal to. But I'm not a big memorabilia guy either. I, you know, I like I like to have the experience of a thing. <laughs> I, I, I have a very rich internal life. We have a lot of memorabilia around here, and I don't actually have a big Funko collection. I only have a couple. And two of those I have because I got them to be wedding cake toppers for my wedding cake. We got uh, I got a Cthulhu one for Brian, and I was and mine was Reagan. So those two we have. I also have another one that is Jason Voorhees because I actually bought those three at the same time in case he wanted to, to give him a choice whether he wanted to be Cthulhu or Jason. And then we have a Vault Boy one. That I stuck in his stocking one Christmas after Fallout 4 came out. And that's pretty much it. That's all we have for the Funko dealies. A couple of the little mini keychain ones I have because we buy those and use them as Christmas ornaments. And so we put them on the tree. But, yeah, I mean, I don't have a big collection of them. I'm not, it's, it has to be, it would have to be something really special for me to want it. I'm not one of those people that's just going to collect all of those. Like you see people who have like hundreds of them and they never take them out of the boxes and they're just sort of stacked on top of each other. I wouldn't do that. For the cereal, I mean, it's just more for the novelty, I guess, of it rather than the fact that they're Funkos. It's, it's more the license behind it, I guess, than it is who made it that would appeal to me. You know, like Freddy Krueger. So whether it was a Funko Freddy Krueger or any other version of Freddy Krueger, the fact that Freddy Krueger had a cereal, that's what would appeal to me. Yeah, but w- w- Beetlejuice got slime or slime milk. Yeah. And I, I just don't know that that's on brand with Beetlejuice. I don't, when I think Beetlejuice, I don't think slime. That's more of a Ghostbusters thing. Yeah, I agree. Sure. I, I think they probably just figured... Hey, we'll make it because I'm assuming they didn't say, but I'm assuming it's going to be green. Yeah, you would. And think. so I think yeah. they were just looking for something to do, and then did that, and probably didn't even put a whole lot of thought into it. I'm curious about the Elvira one, though. Like, yeah, do they that's have the like one that's marshmallow boobies in it? Yeah, I know. I think- I'd, I'd like to. Well, you already have the milk, so that works. <laughs> that's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, lactation jokes aside. Sorry, I couldn't resist. It was just there. <laughs> I but no, but, but looking at it though, it looks like it's the same kind of shitty like Cheerios, just with different colors depending on the property. I mean, that's typically what the novelty cereals do, though, right? I mean, yeah, they're usually just a very basic cereal that the box is the draw, not necessarily what's inside. So, and I'm full, I'm sure they fully expect people to not even really eat this stuff because collectors who pay $8 a box aren't really going to eat it. They're going to buy it and put it on a shelf, and which I would do. But I, like I said, I would have to eat some just to say that I did. And they're, and I'm sure they're counting on that too. And at $8 a pop, they're not going to complain about it. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, I, there there's something cynical about all of that 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 bother. It, just what you were talking about, Jamie. That you know, as a business model, they're like, well, the cereal doesn't have to be that good because most people probably aren't going to eat it. It's oh, it's just extraordinarily cynical. You're absolutely right. But yeah, that's uh. That's nerd curl. That's nerd nerd culture. That's nerd curl. Cur- <laughs> God damn it! That's nerd culture and how to make money off of them. That's what. <laughs> that's what. Uh, that's what our generation does best, right? Milk the nerds. The, it, 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 there's a, a a weird juxta or not juxtaposition, an oxymoron here, where it's like, well, I'm gonna market towards people who feel like, oh, by establishing or by buying this thing, it makes me different than most people. And yet, all that like Funko and collectible kind of stuff is so mass produced now. You know, it's just that nerd culture went mainstream, but advertisers are still trying to convince nerds that they're not the mainstream. You know, and they're just like, "Hey, buy buy this weird shit so you can wear this badge of honor about uh, about all the weird shit you're into." And it's like, well, it's not weird shit anymore. It's the same thing everyone's into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plus, nostalgia is a booming business. Um, everything from Family Guy to Ready Player One it cashes in on nostalgia. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're hit. We're, we've got it from every angle these days. And, but yet, you know what, what's funny is there is, there is a part of me that even though I know all of this, there's still that part of me that gets excited when I see something aimed at my nostalgia button, but bone. <laughs> Button bone, <laughs> right? The it's... bone or a button, Jamie? <laughs> or a the bone or button? It's behind the knee. Mm. It's a, a butt bone. <laughs> you can aim it at my butt bone too. I don't care. <laughs> Whatever. I broke that once. Butt bone or at the butt bone? <laughs> I broke my butt bone once playing tennis. I think that's a bloodhound kink song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of nostalgia, how's that for a segue? The 80s classic basket case is getting a release from Arrow, of all places. Arrow, who does amazing releases, is heading for basket case, and Alex should pay attention, because he really loves that movie. I, You know, basket case is a movie I saw once years and years ago, and have never revisited. I have uh, maybe seen it... Here. I've maybe seen it twice over the years. It's not one that I have ever been into watching a lot. I remember thinking it was sort of goofy and fun, but hey, that's Hen and Lauder. I actually don't see any specs on this, so I'm not sure what. New commentary with Hen and Lauder and Van Henenrichschick. Oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, who is the uh, Dwayne Bradley, the the star of the film. Um, there are six different interviews, uh, including one with Joe Bob Briggs, documentary on all three Basket Case films, and a brand new short directed by Hen and Lauder titled Basket Case Three and a Half, an interview with Dwayne Bradley. There's a look into the restoration and a, another Hen and Lauder short called Slash of the Knife. Uh, so just a good old fashioned bunch of shit on there. But I guarantee you it's going to look pretty because Arrow... Yeah, you know, 
they do good work. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe this will, you know, suck me into watching it again. Or at the very least, that uh, usually, here's what I like about these transfers, even if they're movies that I, I'm like, eh, I don't know if I would buy that. But now that that transfer is out there, that tends to be what shows up on the streaming services. And I like that. Even if it's not a movie I'm crazy about, I still want to see it the best possible way I can if I ever stumble across it. Oh, sure. Next up is Update of the Mask, the news of Leslie Vernon. Uh, Western horror brought about the amazing satires with the likes of Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, Scream, and Cabin in the Woods. While these titles incontestably made their mark, it would be a disservice to meta-slash-satirical horror films if Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon did not get its dues. Scott Glosserman's Behind the Mask provides a comedic insight to the making of a serial slasher and their art. While a six-issue comic series titled Before the Mask, The Return of Leslie Vernon, written by David Steve as a spree maker, was debuted at last year's South by Southwest, there were only talks of the funds going towards an accompanying film for Behind the Mask. Since then, we haven't heard much concerning anything related to a sequel or prequel a prequel prequel until potentially now a photo was recently uploaded to the before the mask Facebook page. The image shows a group consisting of a director of director Glosserman and behind the mask stars, Angela Gertles and Nathan Beisel, as well as others. A blurry script is held in front of the camera with the pictured caption. "Uh Oh, what the hell is going on here? Anyone, anyone accompanied with the hashtags movie magic and it's happening. So that's exciting. I, maybe, possibly, I just recently watched, uh, last week, Behind the Mask again, because it came out on beautiful, uh, beautiful Blu-ray release, and looks pretty amazing. So, that's kind of fun, and timed really well, don't you think? I wonder if that has, if the timing is coincidental. Uh, yeah, I wonder, you know, uh, maybe not. That uh, That's awesome, though. I mean, more... More of that story I am potentially very excited about. You know, if it's all the original creators and, and whatnot. I, You know, I'm always concerned after enough time goes by that it's like, well, the people making this movie aren't the same people that made Behind the Mask. Just by, by, by nature of time and the way that it fucks with people. Uh, so I'm like, well... I, I'm curious what they're going to do, but it, it's just the, the same concern I have any time that the first film and its sequel are years and years apart uh, that I, I don't know. I don't I, I, I don't know how you how you carry the tone of the original over to a sequel or maybe they're just smart enough to be like, this is going to be just its whole thing, like a, a whole separate vibe than the original film. Um, it'd be interesting if like, okay, we're not going to make fun of straight slashers anymore. We're going to take on a different subgenre or something. I don't know. I'm curious for sure. Well, I'll tell you, uh, I had forgotten exactly how good that film is. Now I knew it was good. I mean, I remembered it being very good, but when I watched it recently, it was even better than I had, had, you know, in my brain, which is exciting. Because, I mean, that, that was nice. Because I'm like, oh, I was excited to watch it again. I'm like, oh, it's been a while since I watched this. This is fun. And then watching it again, I'm like, damn, this is even better than I remembered it being. And I love when that happens versus yeah, the opposite. That's kind of how I feel every time I see that movie. 
to tell you the truth. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't know why it is that it's difficult for me to remember <laughs> how much I love that movie, but <laughs> for whatever reason, I seem to have a problem you're getting with that. Old. Maybe it's difficult for me to remember my name sometimes. Baby, do I like Leslie Vernon? <laughs> Jamie says in my imagination. Yeah, I, I like this and Tucker and Dale are uh, a pair of movies that every time I watch them, I'm like, this movie always makes me happy. I I put I, I kind of put them on equal footing for me as far as movies I can throw in anytime and always have a blast. And I, I think maybe Leslie Vernon's a little smarter than Tucker and Dale, but Tucker and Dale is a big goofy puppy that I love as well. Yeah. yeah. So say we all. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, um, I don't want to stretch this out too long. I'm just going to go. The one thing I wanted to make sure to talk about was the return of Fangoria. And that has me very excited. Uh, it just sort of, I think most of us, most people our age or who have been horror fans for any length of time have some sort of history with that magazine. When I was growing up, we didn't have the internet. So, I didn't know any other horror fans. It was me. That was it. And I had to travel to this very tiny hidden bookstore to get this magazine. And there, there no one else around me sold it. It was very difficult to find, but I would make that trek and I would get it. When I would get my copy, I would read a very specific order every time. I always started with the <laughs> letters to the editor, and then I went to um, Dr. Cy the video eye of Dr. Cyclops, who, by the way, was a direct inspiration on me personally, and actually what made me go into reviewing horror films when I first started, which, for, which was for a local newspaper back home. And... I never would have done that if I hadn't been reading Fangoria. And then, of course, that led to everything else. And here I am. Ta-da. Then, once I read that portion of it, I would oddly, and I don't know why, but I'd start at the back of the magazine and then work my way forward. And I always read it back to front. And then I would read back through it forward to back. And then, basically, I would read it about 16 times until the next issue came out. And I would read it by the time I got finished with each issue, it was ragged because I would fold it up and stick it in my backpack and take it with me everywhere. And just, I read every article, I mean, just numerous times. And that was pretty much my only, my only source of horror news at the time and my only outlet. And this is, uh, started when I was about 12. So I've always had a love for this magazine. When I got older, I went back and replaced some of the ones that I damaged from Having them folded, I went and, and bought the back issues of ones that I remembered loving just so I would have them. And then I started to keep everything. So I have all of my issues of Fangoria still. And a couple of them are framed. And then there was that big nasty fire that took out the, the warehouse several years back. And when I say several years back, she, it was probably like 20 by now. I don't even, when you get old, everything runs together. And <laughs> that was very depressing. Anyway, then it just sort of stopped. Yeah, it went through some bad times. And 
then it just wasn't there anymore. And then we had online. I didn't really follow it once it was online. Like, I didn't care. It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same as, as holding it. So I started reading things like Horror Hound or whatever else I could get my hands on. But it just never... And I do like Horror Hound. It's not that I have an issue with that magazine. It's just it wasn't the same. So... I was really, really, really excited on a very personal level to find out that Fangoria is coming back in print form this October. So just in time for Halloween, what could be more perfect? But not only that, it's under new... I mean, they have completely revamped everything. Uh, Tony came back. He is... He's not editor, but he is consultant, and he's he's also doing some article contribution I don't know. They're trying really hard to bring it back to what it once was. I don't know how it's going to last because print media on the whole is kind of in trouble these days. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I'm really hoping that something good happens. I'm personally excited. I've already got my name on the list. You can go to Fangoria.com and sign up to get information about how you can subscribe once subscriptions become available also, if you had a former subscription to the magazine, when it stopped, if you got stiffed on a subscription, you can contact them through the, through the website and they will work with you and they want to try to make that right, which I think is very cool too. Anybody else excited about that? I am. I, I've been really excited, uh, especially since I, I went to archive.org recently where they have you know scanned copies of some of the old Fangoria's. And I was able to reread, you know, Fangoria's, I, I said this on, you know, the Legion Facebook group that uh, one of the ones I found I distinctly remember getting tro- in trouble for having in middle school. Nice. And yeah, it brought back this flood of like slight shame, but also a little bit of rebellious righteousness of, you know, my own minor rebellion like throwing up the devil horns and tucking a, a fango in the backpack yeah it was it, it, it yeah i i'm very excited i i i'm i will have a subscription to it i hope it does well i think if i had advice to give them it would be keep like support your print side by having your web presence to go along with it and and keep a little more up to date, you know, have that be your minute to minute stuff and have the print one be uh more about in depth pieces as well as some reviews. So uh yeah, I'm curious to see what it's gonna be. I think it's real challenging, like you said, Jamie, to launch a print magazine these days. So we'll see. I I, I hope they will they do well. I I certainly uh wish them all the best. Well, again, I think they're hoping to tap into that nostalgia bone. And I don't, I think in the beginning, at least it should be successful, at, at least the, the start off run, because people, you know, around our age, we all have, I mean, like I said, if you've been a horror fan for any length of time, then you have some kind of memory for that for, because for the longest time, if you were like me, that was your soul connection. And I mean, my mom was a horror fan, but I mean, she didn't care about news. You know, she didn't care about uh, stuff like that. She would go to the movies when they came out and that's about it. You know, she didn't give a damn about what was coming up or what she didn't read reviews. Like we didn't have those kind of discussions. So 
this was, you know, this was it. This was my only tie. And I think a lot of people pre-internet, I think a lot of people had exactly the same experience because you just, you, I mean, now it seems like horror fans are climbing out of the woodwork. Back then, I think you were lucky to know a fellow horror fan. That's why in films in the 80s, we were always considered the weirdo friends. You know, if you had someone, if you, if there was a friend <laughs> in the movie that liked horror, they were the weirdo, you know, they were the, they were the evil, you know, or, or whatever the guy's name is from Serial Mom. Can't remember his name. The John Waters? Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know which one, the kid, the, the son Chip? The son or the Chip or son. his, or his, now he actually did have, he actually did yeah. have some friends, so. Yeah, the um, son Chip and his uh, girlfriend, Bernie. Girlfriend, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I think in the beginning at least it will go well. I hope it does hold on and, and continue because I, I can't wait to get that in my mailbox again. You know, can't wait. Yeah. So. Yeah. Same here. All right. All right. Well, were there any other stories that anyone particularly wanted to talk about? Uh, I would mention here that, uh, that sinking city game, which is one that I've been keeping an eye on, uh, which looks as close to a really interesting Lovecraft game. Uh, I've seen since, uh, uh, what was it called? The dark, nah, not the dark city, something like that. Uh, but at any rate, uh, old like Xbox one. Uh, Lovecraft game, so I don't know. Anytime you mix video games with, hey, here's this weird eight-legged thing with a human melting face, I'm kind of down. Well, who wouldn't be? I can't. What's the name of that new video game that is the? It's like the. The fuck is the name of it? It's the. It's like a couch co-op game, and it's coming out. And oh, Escape, something like oh, that. Uh, a way out. A way out. Is, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That one I'm excited about. I can't wait. I'm yeah, I haven't played that yet. I'm completely the wrong person to tell you about video games. <laughs> video game expert Vanessa McHenry. <laughs> <laughs> I play a mean, you- I play a mean Tetris. Okay, let's put it that way. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> still counts. Still counts. <laughs> we we still count you among our numbers. If you play a uh, any any match three on your phone, you are a gamer. As far as we're concerned. <laughs> I do mostly word games. I'm such a, I like, I'm crossword puzzle girl. Yeah. Yeah, nothing wrong like with that. Amish. I, I'll, <laughs> what? You're I Amish? Video, I didn't play video games growing up. <laughs> Even though, yeah. Because you're Amish? No. No. <laughs> Let's dig into this. Let's get into the history. She's Amish no. because she plays games that involve paper and pencils. Only tabletop RPGs. Unless you're hardcore and you do your crossword puzzles with a pen. Like Galileo. I usually do. Oh, living on the edge. Yeah, I do. (laughs) You can't help yourself from falling. I know, it's terrible. (laughs) Um, Brian is sitting two feet from me right now playing Shadow of War. Oh yeah, they. I I just read that they are taking all the microtransactions out of that. They definitely. are, and uh, it's funny because when we were watching, uh, we were watching uh, a new show about that, and he's like, "Oh, good for me! I'm playing it right now." So <laughs> that way, he's coming in at just the right time to not have to deal with all the bullshit. Because he just started playing yeah. it a couple days ago. 
And that's been your Vanessa McHenry Gaming Minute. <laughs> Sponsored, of course, by Vanessa McHenry. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, I guess that's it for the news. Yeah. Hey, you guys uh, want to answer some questions from listeners? Sure. Oh, it's almost course. like that's-, that's a regular thing. I know. All right. It is time for Ask DTP, uh, which needs a song of some kind. Hey, you're asking some questions. Now we'll answer them. That sounds good to me. DTP. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Andrew Huff uh, asks, what excites you most about the new lineup? Uh, Vanessa, what excites you most about the new lineup? Aside from just being here. (sighs) That's, that's a tough one. No, you, I think that you guys, I know you've been doing this a while and, Change may not be a bad thing. So I say that even if I weren't the one who was, you know, entering the situation. But yeah, that's a general answer about that. What about Vanessa dunks on David? I know. Um, I was about to say that's apparently code for. No, I'm not saying that specifically. Dog whistle. I'm not saying that specifically. You know, <laughs> but I'm not, not saying that either. <laughs> what you didn't, you weren't going to let me say anything about like, oh, that I'm excited to be here. That's part of it. No, so you you stole my answer. Fuck you. <laughs> well yes. done. I, I like it. Going after someone who's not here. A devour the podcast tradition. <laughs> and that's uh-huh. done. I was backed into that corner, by the way, <laughs> inadvertently. Right, yeah. At least that's my <laughs> You're story, and I'm sticking to it. I'm going to make yeah. David cry into his Elvira Mistress of the Dark cereal. <laughs> and his tears will turn black. Uh, what about you, Jamie? What are you excited turn about? Green. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean a step on your poop joke. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I've heard that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's like 85 cents but that ain't nothing i uh well i was going to say that we got rid of david but somebody already (laughs) stole my answer so wow you two are terrible (laughs) no i actually you know what i think it's gonna be fun to have a two woman dynamic i think that is gonna lend a different perspective and it should be you know different but in a good way i've never been yeah. on a show with another woman before well i mean in a permanent thing well till recently because now on cinema beef there yeah, are three of us but yeah. that just that was just a recent thing this year it's like wow it's like you're the woman bitches be taken over now i'm looking i'm looking forward to that that reminds me of a, a quick story if you don't mind me uh going on a brief tangent um there is a a music venue real close to where i live and i happen to know the owner of the place and i i was chatting with him a couple of weeks ago and you know we were just kind of i i know him fairly well so we were talking a little politics and state of the world kind of stuff we're talking about the me too movement and and uh, how that seems to be a real thing. It's not like a flash in the pan kind of Twitter fad. It seems to be legit uh, as far as a real sustained movement. And he was saying, I'll tell you, I know, I knew that it was 
when uh, a couple of nights ago they had a band in and uh, some guy, some random dude in the crowd grabbed the ass of the girl that was in front of him. And she turned around, punched him in the nose, knocking him down, (laughs) and said, welcome to 2018, motherfucker, and turned around and started dancing again. Damn. And I was right. I was like, that is one of the most righteous stories I've ever heard. And he was like, yep. He was like, it's shit has changed. So, uh, yeah, to speak to, to that very end, I, I agree. I think, I think having, uh, two women on the show is interesting. It just provide it, Yeah. It's a, just a different dynamic. It's something that other shows, uh, don't have, you know, you that's know? a vastly different from if you watch, uh, decline of the Western civilization, de- the decline of Western civilization. Um, one of the, I can't remember which punk one it was, if it was the original one or if it was the 90s one, but they were talking to a club guy and he was talking about how basically when they played in clubs, uh, when punk bands would would play in clubs, there was a lot of like, there was a lot of grab assing going on. And nobody ever really did anything. Nobody ever stopped it, and and or nobody stepped in. And th- basically, their attitude was, well, you know, she didn't, she didn't complain too much, or I forget, I forget the exact wording. So nobody crucify me on the wording there. But it was, it was really, it was the whole thing made me feel really gross that people just watched just all the time women being grabbed and manhandled and just treated roughly and nobody gave a shit, you know, and that's, that's then. <laughs> and then this is now <laughs> where she yeah. knocks a motherfucker on his ass, which, you know, good for her. Yeah. It, and story made me happy. Yeah. And as a female, especially you go to different concert type things. And a lot of times like metal, hard rock or punk. And I'd be the only girl, you know, towards a you know mosh pit or something and yeah the potential of getting your ass grabbed your tits grabbed whatever you know was totally different than than now but also when i would go to shows where the bands were predominantly female the audience was a totally different beast you know oh yeah yeah i could see that yeah it's sort of i I, there's something I, i would imagine fundamentally empowering of just like yeah i'm not I, for begins, he's not watching a bunch of dudes on stage because that when you think, I, or I do because I'm the the dude on the show. When I think of a band, I probably think of a bunch of dudes with long hair and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's just what I associate. So perspectives, people. I don't know why I yelled that. Um, what excites me most about the new lineup? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think that answers it. Just a, a different dynamic and. Uh, also just trying new stuff. We'll figure out new stuff to do along the way. I thought the, the doing the, uh, wheel, uh, to pick a movie was fun. So we might try more dumb shit like that. That is a fun thing. And see, that's the kind of change I meant. I'm not saying no, David. Okay. (laughs) That was the close. Now you can say that. It's too late, baby, baby. It's too late. (laughs) Sorry. Um, David knows we love him. <laughs> our, today is our sixth anniversary of being friends on Facebook. Ah, congratulations. Which means, 
virtually our sixth anniversary of being friends because that was like an immediate thing, you know, right away when we met. So that's exciting. Uh, serendipitously, David Anders Jr. asks us, what have you done with my show? <laughs> Vanessa, I'll let you answer first. Boy, just you wait. <laughs> Fair enough. Because uh, it's not like yeah. these monkeys know what's going on. I put my No back. clue. None of us know. Yeah. No, this is all uh, a ship of fools. As <laughs> all uh, of us are in this boat. <laughs> yeah. Is that the honey trippers? Who did Ship of Fools? Was that just Robert Palmer? Good question. You guys don't care. Um, <laughs> Darren Wilson asks us, if you do a religious horror episode, would you title it Devout the Podcast? Or is that a half-assed dad joke? Or both? <laughs> both. Both. Yeah. Both. Both. Yep. All right, moving on. Casey Bates. Axis <laughs> uh, us, uh, what's with these kids and their terrifier talk? In my day, we had the clown doll from Poltergeist, and that was good enough. I don't know. I haven't seen that yet. I haven't either. I keep hearing it's so good, but I don't know. Like, I was not a fan of Art the Clown from the anthology film. And I didn't see the short film that he was in previous to that. So I can't compare it to that. But everyone keeps talking about how good Terrifier is. How good Terrifier is. So I don't know. Have you seen that one yet, Vanessa? No, I haven't. All right. Yeah. Did either uh, of you guys uh, well, like the anthology? What was that one called? I feel like I saw that. Mm, it was something to do with Halloween. Tales of, No, not Tales of Halloween. Um, Something to do with Halloween. Sp- spooky Halloween stories. That's it. You nailed it. <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> Look out. It's Halloween. Yes. Boom. It's Starring Halloween. Art the Clown. It's coming to get you. Yeah, right. I like it. Um, the first of our the podcast film. <laughs> Look out. It's coming to get you. Um. <laughs> It's, uh, Case, it might even feature a loonicorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be the production logo. <laughs> like uh, they did the with the TriStar, you know, Pegasuses. But in this case, it would be a loonicorn, which is, of course, a unicorn with an overbite and crossed eyes. and <laughs> um, <laughs> Is what they sound like. Casey also asks, asks us, is there any film left that doesn't have a fancy Blu-ray release that you still want? Uh, non-horror, he goes on to say, uh, but I would commit crimes for a special edition two-disc Bachelor Party Blu-ray. Um, I don't, I, I'll, I'll get this out of the way right off the bat. I Because of my interest in Asian horror, uh, there I've got a laundry list of movies i would love to have on blu-ray that just aren't available i would love to have a great blu-ray of uh noriko's dinner table uh i'd love to have a great a really really nice blu-ray of uh juan the original juan or no roy the curse how about just um, any of those juan films getting a decent american release um yeah a past yeah. you know there because there's like the what are there two different storylines to it's like Jew on the curse and Jew on the grudge. Like yeah. Well, different. curse is first. Dave Zeal probably correct me about this. 
curse is first, then grudge chronologically, I think. And cause curse was the, the TV, TV movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then the film was grudge and then chew on two, uh, grudge two. And then it gets into all the white ghost, black ghost and crazy shit from there. Yeah. See, that would be a cool uh, box set. I yeah, think. I agree. Uh, please, uh, let me, let me give you the list of all the shit that doesn't come out uh, that I would love to see. But uh, yeah, somebody dropped a nickel in you, Jamie. What uh, What about you? What Blu-rays do, don't do exist that you would like to will into existence with some sort of magical power? I gotta get to finish vibrating off this nigga. <laughs> oh, God. Get it? Because you dropped a nickel in me, so I was vibrating. <laughs> I get it. God. <laughs> Yep, it's the same show, folks. I'm shaking my head. You can't see it, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> Everyone is. Man, Everyone. I tickle myself. You know what I would love to see? <laughs> That's part of why we love you, Jamie. <laughs> what I would love to... I swear to God, people think I'm high on it. They must. They're like, I'm not. I, I'm not. It's high on life. They think I'm either high or retarded. And <laughs> I'm definitely not one. Could easily be the other. I don't know. <laughs> but Fatal Games... Is one that I would love to see. Fatal Games. Which one is that? It's the the slasher film that takes place <laughs> at the Olympics or at the training of the Olympics. Or I think they're training. Anyway, the the killer uses a javelin and he's killing all these Olympic hopefuls. It's from eighty four, I think. It never got a proper release. It has the the only thing out there is a crappy VHS, and it never even got a DVD release or. Anything. So I would love to see that get a proper release. It's also really hard to track down and very diff. I mean, it's like few people talk about it because it's virtually impossible to see. Hmm. All right. I I'm, I feel like I've heard of that at some point, but that may just it's be a fun one. I, I, I mean, it's be smart. It's not. Um, I I don't know. I don't think it's like phenomenal, but it's pretty fun. I really like it. I like the premise. I like the the only thing I feel like is that the killer uses a javelin pretty much through the whole thing. I really wish they had kind of branched out and used more sports equipment. You know, because there's a lot of cool things you could do slash when it comes to slashering. But the t- the twist at the end was pretty fun. What is funny about that is true. <laughs> I just like you wistfully said I really wish they tried different equipment, you know? <laughs> I felt like he was really boxing himself in with that javelin. He was, he was. He limited himself. I mean, there are barbells or and discuses. Or herself, of course. Or themselves. <laughs> what? I don't know. Fine, whatever. Let's, let's not hit the brakes on the show. On <laughs> Your crazy idea that you want rowing machines to murder people. <laughs> No, you know I'm what I was about to say? I'm, I was about to say, what ex- what Olympic sport would train with rowing machines? Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vanessa. Yes. What Blu-ray would you like to see? And what uh, piece of gym equipment would you use to murder someone? <laughs> 
I'll pass on the gym equipment. Thank you. But, um, not an option. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that rowing machine could be a good one. All right. And I'm just right. picturing you, it. Once... I'm picturing it like moving across the floor after someone, you know, and out of building. Oh, like a, a real, uh, not to go back to maximum overdrive, <laughs> but kind of a maximum overdrive scenario. Like a truck <laughs> version. Something like Yeah. <laughs> Who made who? That stair is gonna come after you or something. Yeah, that rowing machine called me an asshole. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right at my peak heart rate. (laughs) All right, I'm on board. Uh, Yeah, what Blu-ray? Anyway, Blu-ray. Not strictly horror, but uh, the Cook, the Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. That Peter Greenaway film starring Helen Mirren. It's such a beautiful, beautiful film. And yeah, it, it, it's dying, needs a Blu-ray release. Yeah, that is a good one. <laughs> that is the only time I ever used a fake ID was to get into that, to see that movie. <laughs> Never to buy yeah. the hall, but to see a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a flashback to that episode of The Simpsons where uh, the kids are going to go sneak into an R-rated movie. And as the car pulls away, they all start chanting, Barton Fink! Barton Fink! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm using someone else's ID so I can sneak in and see an art film. Yeah. Right, like a Peter like Greenaway think piece about the nature of honesty and relationships. and uh, I mean, it's a great movie, yeah. and Helen Mirren yeah. well, never looked better in a film as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The Jean-Paul Gaultier costumes. Ugh. That I alone. I watched that because my best friend's boyfriend rented it because he heard it was dirty. Well, it's so it's sexy. So that's why we watched it. And yeah. I ended up really liking the film for the films, you know, on the whole. Right. He got mad and walked out. Because like, <laughs> it's also artsy. It's dirty, but right. it's artsy. Right. Yeah. That's not. What I didn't want to learn anything about myself. I guess it. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's the one, the big one for me. It's the only VHS I still own. <laughs> yeah. And I own it on general principle because <laughs> I can't get rid of it until I get it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I've got more VHS tapes than I should, and at least one of them has more Piazzadora than it should. <laughs> uh, <laughs> John Rhodes, not screwing around, asks us, what is your favorite vampire film? Uh, Vanessa, what is your favorite vampire movie? Oh, this is such a hard question. Um, mm, I do like The Hunger quite a bit. Yeah. I like Ganja and Hess quite a bit as well. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Yeah. All right. It's two answers, but... Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's just... Yeah, I love it's a big field. too much, and there's so I it, it's something I could go on at length about, and um, yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> As an aside, yeah. Cecil just explored Ganja and Hess on Good Bad Flicks uh, on YouTube. <laughs> I love Cecil, so um, yeah, that was fun. And then, of course, we covered that. That's a really beautiful film, I think. Yeah. yeah. What, what's your answer? Uh, other people. I know. Um, well, see, I'm kind of torn. It, it, that's a really hard question because at any given day it could change. I am have always been in love with Bram Stoker's Dracula. 
but I probably equally love the Lost Boys or even uh, the Langella Dracula. Nope. You, uh, well, look, I can't. Vanessa took two. <laughs> you can't take three. Well, what are you going to take? All right. Four. Then I get okay, four. Okay, well, then go. Oh, shit. Um, mm-hmm. I would. All right. I'm go- I'll give you two because I care about human decency. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would say my number one is actually Salem's Lot. Oh, damn it. That's a good one. I know. Yeah. And then my runner up would be Kiss of the Dam. Oh, man. See, there's so Which many. Is, good one, too. There are so yeah, many. I, I yeah. like I, Kiss of the Damned. I've watched it a, a number of times at this point. It is my favorite, like, Euro sleaze throwback movie. <laughs> yeah. Because it is kind of randy, but it's also got a little bit of the hunger in it. Yeah. And, oh, I love that movie. I, and the soundtrack is great. And I, Like, I want to make out with that movie. It's so sexy. It really is. It, it is. It's amazing. And Salem's Lot, of course, affected me. Also sexy. Deeply when I was a child. <laughs> I mean, scarred me for a very long time. That's Back hard. priest. Back, Shaman. <laughs> oh, man. I guess I just so really good. love vampire films is, is what it turns out to be. Hey, we are a couple of questions away from talking about one. So shut up. Uh, John Rhodes. All- <laughs> Sorry, that was rude. John Rhodes also asks, with all, <laughs> with all the revitalized interest in Stephen King material, which film of his would you like to see a new take on? Uh, Jamie, what would you, what Stephen King project would you want to see next? Now, is this something that already exists and we want to see a new version of it? Or is this just any property that we'd like to see adapted? I, it says which film of his would you like to see a new take on? Okay. So, so I would say an existing. Right. That's how I take like, it as well. Like, you could do Lingoliers. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Little girl. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Honestly, I would like to see a new version of The Stand, even though I don't have any hatred. That's already done. For, I know. I want to see it. <laughs> Although, well, I that's... Heard, I, it, the last I heard, it got yanked from theatrical release, and it's being put out as a 10-hour miniseries. I think that's what yep, I heard yesterday, that's right. right? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so since that one's already done, I guess it can't count. Um, All right, I'll, I'll steal. Uh <laughs> If you're going to pass, um, I, I Salem's Lot. I want to see him do a really yeah. good Salem's Lot. There's nothing wrong with Salem's Lot. Right, but if they're going to remake all this stuff, because they're going to, then you get uh, that, uh, what's his name, Kerry Fukunaga? That's not his name. Uh, from True Detective, Fukasaka. <laughs> I don't know. You're the one with Carrie. the Asian show. I don't know. I know. I, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Carrie Fufu. Toyota Nation. Kawasaki. That's right. Um, Wasn't that the name and, from Kentucky Fried Movie? Probably. <laughs> yeah. sound, that that sounds just racist enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think he would be a great pick to do. Uh, like I would like to see uh, the stand kind of thing with Salem Slot, where you do a four or five night sort of event, or even a ten. 10-hour series or something. Uh, I think that could be great. Well, um, I won't argue that point. That that could be really good. Because there's a lot of stuff that I wish that they had explored deeper. 
in the original version of Salem's Lot. So, yeah. Yeah, and some of that movie hasn't aged well at all, and the red satin underwear that uh, Fred Willard is wearing <laughs> is like, oof, that's just hard to look at. And, yes. But <laughs> but all that aside, you know, it's it's that's my it, it's a hometown favorite for me. It, it, it scared the shit out of me as a kid, and still kind of does. Um, not just the window thing, although that's scary. Oh, the the scene, mom and the board uh, to me. That's yeah. That's the one that you gets son me of a now. bitch. Yeah, Ralphie, Vanessa. Uh, Did we do yours? No. Um, I would like to see Salem's Lot. I'm not Salem's Lot. Um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Duh, not that. <laughs> I agree. You had me thinking about that, and then I'm like, no, that's not my answer at all. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't care for the movie much. I'd love to see another. I movie. love the book and the movie. I like well enough, but it has not aged well at all. I don't uh, agree. I love that movie. I, now I, there is a remake brewing of that already. I heard that, but do we know if it's actually moving ahead? Ah, uh, that I am not one hundred percent positive. It's one of those that keeps kind of yeah. Yes, it's happening. No, not really. Yes, it's happening. No, not really. Kind of things. So I don't know. I'm not against it. I mean, I would be. I would definitely watch it. I'd be willing to see it. But there are things that are so incredibly charming about that film to me. Yeah. That, uh, like Fred Gwynn. Oh well, that, definitely. That. And Gage, I love Gage, and I just, I don't know. I mean, I really don't want those things replaced. But I definitely give it a shot. I'm always willing to give it a shot. Who knows? I might end up liking it. I liked the Nightmare remake. Or so I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Rumor is. What about Christine? I was thinking about that, but that's one that I'm more against than I probably should be. I love Carpenter's Christine. I, do too. I think it's I mean, the, the a perfect in adaptation that, of that. The effects in that are phenomenal. I really don't see how you could do a better job with that. So, Yeah, if they computered all that up, it would look stupid. Mm-hmm. And it looks so good in his film. And those yeah. shots of, you know, the car on fire and all that are just so good. I tell you what, whatever it is, it better have some 1950s greaser bullies. Fair enough. Stand by me, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> or it. Or right. sometimes they come back. Or <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, let's get to uh, a couple more vampire questions before we jump into 30 Days O'Night. The Irish production <laughs> of 30 Days of Night. Oh, surely it'll be 30 days. Uh, so Darren says, what is it about daylight as opposed to the sunlight reflecting off the moon at night that makes it so detrimental to vampires? Jamie Salmon's resident vampire expert. I think that's more of Vanessa's territory, but I I <laughs> say it's the, the that it's not <laughs> direct UV rays. I mean, isn't that, wouldn't that kind of be like being inside and looking at the sun through a window versus standing out in it? You're not going to necessarily get sunburned just because you can see the light. No. Um, Incorrect. Uh, (laughs) Jamie went the science route. (laughs) Vanessa. I'm backing her up on, on being like, if you're shielded from it, if you're in the shade and you, if you look at a certain amount of vampire, lore in 
films over ages, even in certain literature, it is the actual standing out and having it touch your skin. Right. Uh, it's not just viewing viewing it, honestly. <laughs> it's having it touch your skin. Yes. <laughs> well, what I've always heard is that sunlight contains about 80% more Jesus rays. <laughs> oh, that is the correct answer. <laughs> mhm. I forgot about the Jesus and, rays quotient. Yeah, J rays they're called. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I I learned that at Oral Roberts University. <laughs> pretty sure they know what they're talking about. Uh John Rhodes uh asks with vampires being constantly portrayed differently, everything from sparkly pretty boys to grotesque monsters, which version of the creatures would you prefer, you know, if you had no other option? Uh, so the... I don't know if the context of this question is what kind of vampire you would become or which you like seeing in film. So, uh, Jamie, one of each. Okay. If I had to become one, then I... I want to be like the sexy sentient vampire. Like I want to know what the hell's going on. I want to be able to plan. I want to have lots of money, you know, like over decades, like a, like Lestat or something. If I am watching, I really like monstrous vampires, which is interesting because I said both lost boys and Bram Stoker's Dracula are two of my favorites. But I think what's scary about the mother vampire, for instance, in Salem's lot is the fact that there is some some memory going on there, you know, she calls to her son or whatever, but it, she is a monster. And I think that monstrous vampires are scarier. So if I'm going to watch a film and I want to be scared, that's what I want. All right, Vanessa? As far as watching and as far as what I think I ideally would want to become is a combination of the where you can have the phases of so that you can pass in normal human culture and look, however, whatever, sexy, sexy, but you can transform yourself into another creature of varying degrees and do your, okay. So like Dracula, do your damage that way. Yeah. I mean, so you could Dracula. be like the debonair, right? Fright, fright night vampire, but then like be a werewolf yeah. or a wolf yeah. or a bat or or from dusk to or... dawn, you know? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that is the preferred vampire for all of us because it's just the overpowered one. It's you know, it's like yeah, you can be immortal and sexy. And, but if you wanted to be a monster, you could. It's real greedy, is all I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not against it. <laughs> well, you know, I'm given. I agree. I'm given eternal life here in theory. I'm already uh, got greedy with my time and my abilities. Yeah, and do you think you get like you figure out how to be a wolf like day one, or is that something like it's going to take you about ten years before you get that shit right? No, I think that's something that would have to be you. You'd have to learn. Yeah. You have to go to school. Well, like maybe Hogwarts, not that for vampires. Maybe not that extreme, but you know, have a, at least your Jedi master. <laughs> right, you'd want a cool someone like, you know. to at least give you some tips. 
Yeah. Oh, like Sean Connery in Highlander. <laughs> I guess. I want a Spanish that Egyptian <laughs> vampire to teach me. Use your fangs. <laughs> or a Morpheus, you know, like the the Larry do the Larry Fishburne, the the cool sunglasses. That seems more on brand with all the leather. Yeah, that works. All right. I think we have come to a consensus. Uh, speaking of vampires, uh, folks, we are going to take our uh, our first break and then get into our listener-picked, randomly chosen film uh, on the return of uh, it. Kind of the it came from the Netflix queue, but we don't really have a, a title for this because we uh, updated the the way we're picking the movies. I don't know. We'll figure out a title later. Anyway, you guys gave us a bunch of movies. We spun a wheel. Streaming this piles. This is the one that came out. Streaming piles. <laughs> no, because that officially <laughs> that doesn't in- officially yeah, the name that does imply that they're all bad and and they're not. So no, some of them could be quite good, and I was genuinely surprised that listeners of the show did not sort of spam us with terrible movies. There were a couple in there, but for the most part, they were all pretty good. Yeah. So, thank you, listeners. Yes. We will know that you've turned on us when all the options are WASP-NATO. <laughs> Vote with your dollars. Or your picks. So, yeah, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back with the first movie we ever do as a team, 30 Days of Night. full of them from low budget crap fests to downright unwatchable and only two men are willing to watch them all so climb in and take your seat this is short bus cinema let's do it Hey everyone, this is Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation. And this is Rick Morgan from the Helming Power Hour. And we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find the holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo. Short Bus Cinema. We love to watch the movies you hate.
board the windows. Try to hide. They're coming. They? Who are they? Welcome back, everybody, uh, to Devour the Podcast. Our first film tonight is a movie from 2007 entitled 30 Days of Night. The IMDb synopsis reads, After an Alaskan town is plunged into darkness for a month, it is attacked by a bloodthirsty gang of vampires. Uh, it's directed by David Slade, written by Steve Niles and Stuart Beatty uh, at all uh Stars Josh Hartnett as Evan Olson, Melissa George, who is a cutie, as Stella Olson, Danny Houston as Marlowe, aka the main vampire, and uh, Ben Foster as the stranger, um, and a bunch of other people that you'll mostly recognize. So, uh, 30 Days of Night, a tried and true. Uh, good old-fashioned, gory vampire movie. Vanessa, what did you make of 30 Days of Night? I've seen this now three times, and each time I come out of it thinking it sh I should like it more than I do. It's not that I don't like it, but I think it was built up so much for me. And everybody was telling me, because they know I love vampires, like, you've got to see this. I think you'll really be into this. You might like the aesthetic, blah, 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 blah. And for whatever reason, it just didn't live up for the, to the hype. And so I can't, I, I don't know. I did like it re better rewatching it this, for this, but um, I don't know. There's something missing. For me, and I can't put my finger on it right now. All right, uh, Jamie, why is Vanessa wrong? <laughs> uh, well, there's a myriad of reasons, but uh, I'll start slow. I <laughs> <laughs> wow, all right. Um, I really, you know, first of all, the a good movie starts with a good idea, and this I think is a damn good idea. And uh, why no one has done this previous to Steve Niles, I don't know. I, because what better place to get hammered by a group of roving vampires than a place that has no sun and there is no escape, basically. That's fucking brilliant. So I love that. And, oh, and I'll agree with you. I love, I love the idea that's, that's there at the center. Oh, yeah. That's, and I got, got really that. Great I, mean, I, I, I get that. Yeah. I think what your issue is is likely more with the execution than the idea itself. And um, 
but man, we've got some ancient, some clearly ancient vampires, which I love. They are monstery vampires, which I love. Danny Houston, to me, this he has been acting. This is interesting. The first thing he did was in 1975, and then he didn't do anything else until 1995. So for 20 years, he wasn't doing shit. Then he started, then he's been working regularly since 1995. I didn't know who he was until I saw this film. And then it's like, I've been seeing him everywhere because he was like an American horror story. And which I loved his character there. I just, I really like this guy and I wish he worked all the time. Like I want to see him in everything. I, I love him. I think he's a stage actor. That might be why I, I, I don't, uh, I don't know more of his work, but I think he's brilliant. He's um, also, there's something about him in this that is super sexy to me. Uh, he's now he's the only one who doesn't seem to have that whole weird misshapen face thing going on, which uh, is cool. I, I don't know, but whenever there's something about his presence that I find very alluring and uh, we've got the Marilyn Manson vampire um, that I call him the bald vampire, Marlo's mm-hmm. wife. Um, <laughs> and then those are like the major players. And, but they are ferocious. They are vicious. and But they're also smart. And so I like that. I like that they use people as bait. I like that they systematically go from house to house looking for people. I like that they know to cover their tracks. So they've been doing this for a really long time. And I think that's very cool. I even don't mind seventh grade haircut in this movie. And I'm not always a fan, but maybe seventh grade haircut. Is that yeah. Josh Hartnett? <laughs> of course he, that is. <laughs> I don't. Uh, all right. I'm not always a fan of his, but uh, I mean, there, there. I do. It's not that I wholly dislike him. It's just that he's kind of hit or miss for me. I really like him in this. Uh, Melissa George, what happened to her? She was doing horror for a pretty good clip there for a while, and then I don't know what happened to her. But like right around this time, she was popping up in a lot of places, which was very cool. I always liked her. So the cast, I think, is is solid. The only issue I have with this film is really that I don't think they do a very good job of portraying the passage of time. I don't think it weighs heavily enough how long they've been in each location. We get the little tags like day seven, you know, day 18, day 28, and, but it doesn't... Yes feel like to me it feels like everything and I was talking about this today with Brian we were watching this I'm like you know I just I don't know of a way that they could make it seem heavier because it kind of does all happen over I mean it feels like it happens all over one night and it kind of does happen all over one night because there are no days to break it up so how do you do that I mean they do like beard growth and stuff like that um, but it just doesn't feel like it to me it doesn't feel like this much time has passed for all I know when they've like when they went to the general store and they kill the little girl vampire and then they're in the general store for a while for all I know they were in there for 20 minutes you know it just doesn't feel weighty enough like and I don't know how they could do it to be purpose perfectly honest I was trying to think 
what way could you convey the passage of time that would make it feel like this, this amount of time was passing? I don't know what they could do because without the days, you know, like daylight to come and go and break things up, it's just, I mean, because if they could do that, if they could just give you an establishing, sh- an establishing shot of a sunrise, that would be something to hang your hat on. They can't do that here because night never ends. So I don't really know what they could do, but, but that really is my only issue. No, thank you for mentioning that because that was one thing that bugged me. There were, okay, I, so at least I'm not the only I don't know how to fix it either. I don't know how to fix it either. But yeah. there's, it was just all of a sudden you'd look up and you're like, wait, it's now supposed to be day 18? I don't believe yeah. it. I don't buy it. Yeah, and and I don't either. And to me, that is a that is a stumbling block to this. Not really, but for the story, but mainly just for the impact that it has on me as a viewer. I can't feel. I cannot adequately feel what they're going through, you know, and 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 exactly how long they've been going through. Like I, I'm not there with them on the ride because it just doesn't feel like that much time has passed. And I don't buy it, like you said. Like it just, I, there's nothing to make me buy it. I don't necessarily think that's a filmmaker's fault because, I, like I said, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know how they could fix it. But um, to me, that is the inherent issue that I have with it. Uh, other than that, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. It's I didn't realize until this viewing that it was directed by David Slade, who also gave us Hard Candy. Yes, which I love. Um, oh, absolutely. I. At, at times, it kind of looks almost Zack Snydery, and it's not all the time. I was really, I was paying attention to this, and it's not all the time. But sometimes the characters have that sort of shiny veneer that Zack Snyder does, that golden shiny tone. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yes, like you watch his films, like people have that shiny golden look to them. Sometimes in some scenes they have it, in some scenes they don't. So I'm not really sure what the idea was there or if it wasn't, maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe that's just the equipment. I don't know. Um, I love the strain. Uh, ben Foster is the stranger. He just is. I don't know what his accent is, but, <laughs> but he's creepy. It's and weird. crazy. Yeah, person. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's creepy and weird. Uh, I love how gory this is. There is a particularly fine decapitation when they're at the, what, what is the Utilidator? Oh, the Utilidor, yes. Utilidor, when he's get, like chopping off Billy's yeah, Billy, head. Yeah. Oh, that's a that good one. That is really good. I, and that's another thing I have to give this film props for, is every time, and because there are several times we see decapitations or even hear them if you, you know, the one that he goes around the corner and does, and they make it very clear that they're not doing some walking dead take off your head with one swoop bullshit. This is very realistic in that he's having to take numerous hits with this axe to get someone's head off, which is, I mean, they're heavy and meaty every time. And that gives it a real sense of, of, of to me, horror and realism that you often don't get in films because they films love to do that whole, I've got this sword, so I'm going to whoop, take off your head just like that when it just doesn't work that way. Cause we have bones and it's not that right. easy. Right. Uh, I like the fact that they took the time to give this some weight as far as that's concerned. So that's definitely a point in its direction. I mean, like I said, really the only issue I have is the time passing and I can't fault them really because I, don't know what I would do to make it different. So if I can't offer up a, up a suggestion, who am I to criticize, I guess. But yeah, overall, I really enjoy this film. 
Yeah, I I agree with what both of you are saying. Uh, I enjoyed this more on the rewatch, I think, than I did the first time I saw it. I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. Maybe three or four at this point. At any rate, uh, I enjoy it quite a bit. I, I think it is much better on the front end than the back. Because at a certain point, uh, <laughs> I have the, this complaint a lot these days. This movie is about 15 minutes too long. Uh, yes. It, it, it starts to drag oh, yeah. once they start going from like, hey, we've got to get to the station. And then from the station to the store. And then from the store to the utilidor. And it's just a bunch of running from building to building. And it's the same scenario. It kind of, right. It's, uh, oh my God, we're going to be heard. Somebody make a distraction and then we're going to run and- for it. And they do that like three times in the movie. And the first time it happens, I'm totally on board. Right. By the time that, you know, and I- Bobby from Sons of Anarchy is driving the tractor through the building. I'm like, this is cool, but this is also the third time we've done this. I thought it was just me, honestly, when I was watching it. I was I was tired and everything. And I thought that, like, I rewatched it again today and it still felt... I don't know. I'm still very tired, but <laughs> so I thought it was just me, but I'm glad to hear that someone else is saying that they thought it was a little bit too long. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. And maybe that's why I, you know, we seem to be kind of damning it with faint praise is that the first hour of it is really good and really compelling. And the vampires are cool and savage and, you get just enough hints of their backstory that it's satisfying. They're not completely uh, enigmatic, but there's a lot of gaps in what you know about them, about where they come from and all that kind of stuff. I like the fact that it's just this boat that rolls up and Ben Foster is just like, Hey, everything ready for vampires. (laughs) He, and Renfield, that that was pretty dead on. Yeah. I like his character in it. Um, but yeah, at a, at a certain point, I just start to get tired. And by the time that cool ass decapitation rolls around, I feel so fatigued by the movie. I don't enjoy it as much as I should. Like if you took about 10 minutes out of all that scampering around and tighten this movie up a little bit and, and did maybe found some kind of trick to do the transition of time a little bit better besides, the uh, beard that Josh Hartnett can't grow, <laughs> and I sympathize. I'm I'm in it's that because he's perpetually in but... the seventh grade. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Melissa George, it sure is great to be a sheriff out here in Alaska. <laughs> he is. Uh, I I like him just fine in this. I think both he and Melissa George are probably eight to ten years too young for the parts that they're playing. But eh, yeah, fine. It's Alaska. Yeah. It's Alaska, Jake. So, yeah, I, I, I think the reason that we might be kind of down on the movie a little bit is because it's real close to being an absolutely great movie. And it kind of gets it in its own way, in my opinion. Um, but I like it. I think the, the vampire stuff is, is real neat. The first vampire attack. there, There's an overhead shot in this movie, like when the vampires roll in and just start fucking everything mm-hmm. up. Where you see people running and there are people shooting at the vampires and the vampires are jumping around all crazy on top of them and chomping on their necks and faces. 
Uh, all that, like that whole sequence is really great. And I, and I can see what you mean about that Zack Snyder influence there. There's a hint of that in that shot as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I, it's a wonderfully entertaining vampire movie that has some great effects work that also needed someone to cut 15 minutes out of it. I, I will, I will add that, um, I really enjoyed the the sound design of it. Uh, because like the noises that accompany whatever, whenever the vampires attack, um, and then, then you wonder, is it the wind? Is it the vampires? Whatever that they kind of sprinkle throughout. Uh, I really enjoyed that, but, um, yeah, it was a little bit too long for me. And, and like I said, that whole distinction between the passage of time just it kept it it just kind of took me out of it a little too much but i enjoyed it well enough you know i had fun i think perhaps that the the reason that he had them scampering from to so many different locations was that he was attempting to give you the impression that time had passed only i kind of think that backfired because i feel like if they had taken out some of that shortened it a little and maybe given us another way to kind of show the passage of time. Like, I don't know, maybe have them talk about it. You know, no one talked about it. No one said, I mean, one, at one point, Melissa George said, wow, can't believe we made it this long. You know, okay. You know, (laughs) no one said, you know, God, it's been a week and we haven't eaten or it's, you know, or, I mean, they talked about needing supplies. They didn't talk about direly needing supplies. You know, the whole time, did they go down there and go to the bathroom and just, I mean, because we only saw the old man go to the bathroom. Is that the way they went to the bathroom every time? I I don't know, because they didn't talk about it. Like, they didn't give us any indication of what life was like in those quarters. And mm-hmm. it got even worse when they went to the store, because like I said, for all I know, they've been in there for 20 minutes. Like we don't have any impression of how long it's been. So I really think that maybe that was an attempt to try to stretch it out, like say, oh, look, if they've gone to numerous locations, then clearly some time has passed. You know, plus we're going to put this day stamp on here and bingo, the end. Um, but no, I just don't think that is good enough. And I don't, I didn't, and yeah, I didn't realize how long it was until we started watching it. And then I was like, an hour, 42 minutes. <laughs> like, I don't remember it being that long. And, you know, to be fair, it didn't really feel that long to me. I wasn't upset by the length. I just wish that they had used it a little bit differently. You know, because I really, I like the world yeah, yeah. that we're in. I like the characters. I like the vam- the vampires, and I love the violence of this film. So I, I really enjoyed spending time there. I just wish that, yeah, they had constructed a little bit differently to kind of get me more involved as a viewer. All right. I, I tend to agree with uh, all of that as well. Um, so I, I'll tell you another quick good scene before we wrap her up here that I, I really liked is when they're using the uh, the girl as bait. Not the little girl, but the uh, kind of young mm-hmm. lady. And yeah, they kind of Josh Hardnett and company sniff out the fact that it's a trap as she's walking through town and screaming for help. Uh, and when she gets to the end of town, she's like, I tried, you know, like nobody came out. Sorry. And starts pleading for her life and, and does the, you know, Oh God, help me. Oh, I love and that line. Danny Houston's look to the sky and, and looking back and saying, no, no, God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that look on his it, face—it's 
it was almost like pity. Yeah, it's you know, where he's like, mm-hmm. oh, no God. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. It's hardcore. It's really good. Yeah, there the, it, this movie is frustratingly good at times because it, it, it feels like it ought to land better like, or something. I yeah. love the language that they've constructed for the vampires. Mm-hmm. Um that's always fascinating for me when you know that happens in films uh when you create a new language like that makes it a a whole other level of interesting because yeah where did they come from Um, and there is this incredible sense of mystery we don't even see get a good look at them until 35 minutes into the film even though they've attacked these other people prior to that but yeah yeah and that the language gives them a sense of being ancient. You know, it, it sort right. of, it, it adds to to that, which, and, which I think is interesting because it tells you that much that you need to know about them without spelling right. it out, you know? And I kind of like that, actually, that there is a little bit of mystery of, because yeah. we, we don't necessarily need to know every single little detail. No. And if you were in this situation, you wouldn't know where they came from. You would just know they were suddenly there. Right. Yeah. And it's not the priority. Right. right? It's like, I don't need their backstory. I need to know how do we survive it? And the the movie does a pretty good job of capturing that part of it. It's just the length of time. Like when they get to the end of the movie, it's like, you know, the day before sunrise. And you're like, the fuck? Yeah. It's been a month already. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, it is left to us then to assign a one to five star grade for this film. Uh, half stars are allowed. Jamie Sammons, your grade. Um. Well, I um, when I rated it when after watching it today, I gave it a four. So I'll stick with that. All right. It has been recorded. Vanessa. Um. Upon rewatch, I would say it's up to a four. But the first. The first yeah. time I saw it, it was a three and a half. See, I, I, I feel like that's where I am with it. Uh, I, I think it's a it's a conservative three and a half, though. Like, on a good day, it's a four, well, but I watched it Sunday, and then I watched all the sequels, and that's painful, and, and did that movie no favors. Uh, which I've seen the whatever Dark Days sequel, which was whatever, forgettable and terrible. All right. Uh, Jamie, have you seen Dark Days? I have Dark not. Days? Probably worth mentioning. Don't. <laughs> Does it have any of the same anything? It's it's a direct sequel. It begins at the death of seventh grade haircut. S- seventh grade haircut. <laughs> yeah. Except it's not Melissa George. It's another actress uh, because Melissa George would never do this movie. <laughs> and then she goes back to L.A. and she and some friends shoot at vampires and vampires shoot back at them. And uh, and then they kill the queen vampire. All right, there's yeah. a queen. It's real. Yeah, mm. the, the, that movie suffers from over explaining, and every expl <laughs> and every explanation they give you is stupid. It's a mess. <laughs> it's a mess. PSA: <laughs> Thirty Days of Night is uh, pretty to real good. Thirty Days of Night, Dark Days is a movie you can pretend doesn't exist. Um, okay. It is time now though? to, uh, oh, mine was three and a half. I'm, I'm sticking with three okay. and a half stars. It, it, but it's a conservative three and a half. It's three and a half to four. If we did 
quarter stars, which we don't do, and under yeah, under no but circumstance see, now, would that be. You, you get the exception yourself, but I wouldn't get the exception, so. Didn't mention it. Yeah. <laughs> so, we, we, if we had quarter stars around here, it would be chaos. <laughs> we we cannot allow it. So, uh, enough about 30 Days of Night. Uh, but check it out. Uh, I think we all agree that it's it's worth a watch if you've never seen it, for sure. Definitely. It's pretty good. But we now turn our attention to uh, a film entitled Tragedy Girls, our main feature for the night. And now our feature presentation. Sometimes I just feel like nothing I do matters. Like I'm not special. We only got one retweet today from your mom. Sad. We were just wondering if maybe you could give our blog a shout-out. A shout-out from me would be a little off-brand. I have 15,000 followers. You know what that means, a community like this? More to the left. His heart's more to the left. You're just hitting the phone, dude. I'm trying. Mr. High is trending. I really hope nothing bad happened to him. It's like, poof. He vanished, right? Anybody could be next. Even you. You can find more information on our Tragedy Girls Twitter page. Your brains, my charisma. You can do anything. Quick soundbite from the Tragedy Girls. Are you afraid that the killer will target you because of your infamous blog? We will not take any more shit from this serial killer. I'm so scared right now. Look. Sorry, stay in character. Phone's off, but it's a matter of life and death. You bitches are crazy! <laughs> <laughs> we used to be the same, you and me. Do you remember our first time? I just want to know what's next for the tragedy girls. Day. I don't know if that's not how that works, right? It is uh, directed by Tyler McIntyre, and uh, and it's got a lot of buzz. I, what, what had you guys heard about this before we jump into the CV of this movie? Uh, what what had you heard? Were you excited about seeing it? I had just heard that it was good, uh, and. Uh, because when I initially watched this, it was when it was just starting to get buzz. And I'd seen a couple people post about it. And it was I saw that it was getting some buzz around. And so I jumped on it right away. Yeah, same here. Yeah, I, I, I was certainly in that boat. Like when I when it hit Hulu for that stretch of time, uh, like I watched it the first day it was available there. I'd heard a bunch about it. It was one of those movies I heard about when I was putting together my top 10 list at the end of last year. It, it was a movie that kept coming up on other people's lists. And I was like, man, I can't see it. It's, it's just unavailable here in the good old U.S. of A. And so, yeah, I was I was super quick to jump on it. And uh, let's get this out of the way. Uh, this is a 2017 film. 
uh, as the context clues might have suggested, entitled Tragedy Girls. Uh, it is described by IMDb as a twist on the slasher genre following two death-obsessed teenage girls who use their online show about real-life tragedies to send their small Midwestern town into a frenzy and cement their legacy as modern horror legends. Uh, it is written by Chrisley Hill and Tyler McIntyre. It stars uh, Brianna Hildebrand as Sadie Cunningham, Alexandra Ship as Michaela Hooper, and uh, a bunch of other people. Uh, Craig Robinson is Big Al. He's kind of noteworthy. And uh, everybody else does a good job, though. It's filled with a bunch of character actors that all all kind of do exactly what uh, you would want them to do in a film of this type. So let's uh, let's swap it up here. Jamie, yes. uh, let's begin with you. What did you think of Tragedy Girls? You saw it just today, right? I did see it today, but I saw it previously as well. So this was my second this was oh, my second okay. watch. I just watched it again today to refresh. All right. What uh what do you think about well, Tragedy Girls? It's interesting. Girls the first time I watched it, I thought it was okay. Like I was like, "Oh, that's pretty that's pretty okay." I did not think it was like, I don't know. I I wasn't blown away. When I watched it today, I liked it much more. And I don't know if that is directly tied to the fact that I uh, recently revisited Jawbreaker last week. Um, Because Jawbreaker just hit Shudder. And I was like, oh, exciting, because I only have that on VHS. So I watched that last week. And then watching this again, fairly close to that film, the tone is so similar I don't know. I kind of been for some reason I was more endeared to it this time. Both times I watched it, it reminded me a lot of the Scream TV show um, and had hints of detention, except I hated detention. So like flat out hated that movie. So this one did not assault my senses nearly as much as that. But, you know, they had a couple of times where they would do like the on screen texting and stuff like that, Um, which is kind of a that's. Not uncommon these days. Uh, this time, I really, really liked it, though. So I enjoyed the characters. There were some really fun moments. I liked the fact that pretty much every time the girls attempted to do something, they ended up kind of mucking it up. And uh, it would just, there was so there was some really dark humor to that aspect of it. I loved, I can't ever remember his name, but the guy who played Lowell, who was also in The Strain. Kevin Duran. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed him in this. It's, uh, I think every generation kind of has a film like this, you know, whether it's like Heather's or Jawbreaker or something like this, where you have teens embracing the darkness that's around them and, and attempting to either gain fame from it or something. And uh, this is... I think very timely in the age of Instagram and the Twitters and all of those things. And there's a new one that I heard about yesterday. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I've never heard of (laughs) some YouTuber was like, follow me on this now. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I don't even know. I'm so out of touch, but there's always something. And I, I really like how that they sort of tapped into that. But a lot of it is a lot of the storytelling here is kind of timeless. You know, so they took thing like they took storytelling tropes that we've seen for decades and kind of 
pushed them into a current world. And I think they did it pretty well. You know, so we have themes that we've seen before, you know, themes of popularity or getting the guy and or the girl or, you know, wanting to fit in or, you know, we've got the, uh, the, the nerdy girl who cracks me up dancing after she's drunk at the prom. You get that wide shot and she's just dancing by herself in the front. And that just tickles me every time. Um, And then we, you know, we've got the darkness. Plus, we've got some really cool, subtle nods to horror films. We've got the ones that are outright where she says, like, that's some Final Destination shit right there or, you know, whatever. So we've got the outright nods. But we've got the very subtle ones like the stars that they're using to decorate the prom straight out of Carrie. Yeah, Carrie. And no one ever mentions it. You don't have to mention it because this is a film that's created for horror fans. Uh, on on some level, I think it's it's kind of interesting because this could easily appeal to a teen audience, which may not be familiar with that. But for those of us who are, you, there's no explanation necessary. It's right there. I mean, we know already what that is. I like that. I like it when a film does draw attention to things that we love without drawing attention to the fact that they're drawing attention to them without having to stand on a rooftop and go, did everybody get that reference? Because this is what we did. You know, I, you don't have to do that. Just do it, slip it in there. And those of us who get it, will get it and we'll appreciate it. And so that's one thing I really did like about this one is that they were very subtle in some of their, in, you know, some of their references, which is, which is nice. And in this day and age where like we've had this whole running discussion about nostalgia on this, on this particular episode in this day and age where people like to hammer you over the head with how they're tapping into your nostalgia. When a film does, does it subtly like that, that adds more to my appreciation. Yeah. This also, I just recently watched an episode. It was one of the unaired episodes of fear itself and it had Anna Kendrick in it. And it's called The Spirit Box. And we just covered it on the last episode of Evil Episodes. And it kind of reminded me of that. And that was, what, 10 years ago? So these are, and it would, but it was two girls. I mean, not exactly the same kind of thing, but there were some similarities, enough similarities to where it called it to mind anyway. So this is definitely not something that we have outright never seen before. I like the way it was updated and I think the humor was spot on. I laughed quite a bit. And I think it was dark enough to to hit the horror fan in me. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, Vanessa, any corrections? I agree uh, very much with what Jamie said. I think I might like it more than she did. I liked it actually the first time I saw it and even more so the second. Um, and as soon as I saw it, it, it just... Jawbreaker and Heather's popped into my head. And so that this time, upon rewatching it for the show, I then had to go watch Jawbreaker and Heather's. Um, <laughs> I love Nice. So you just recently watched Jawbreaker too. Today. Yes. Awesome. I, I love, I love that movie so <laughs> much. I mean, Heather's was the movie in high school that I could quote incessantly. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, um, very part of my teenage senior year um <laughs> and it and when you saw tragedy girls it had a certain cadence and some of the line delivery that 
you know, echoed back to those two. And yes, it owes a lot to those films, but you're right. It has references to all these different horror things and sometimes subtle enough that, you know, that it's really the hardcore fans that are going to enjoy it. And then other times, you know, they're the much bigger things, which that's all nice. The big thing for me was the kind of from the get go of the movie, they're challenging gender norms with, I mean, just the fact that you, your killer, your main killer isn't a white guy um, necessarily. Cause I mean, you have two killers here, you know, two different races, but there are also two different classes, which if you look at movies like Jawbreaker and Heather's, it's the rich killing people. So, you know, it, it didn't delve into the class thing that much, but it was there. I kind of appreciate that. And again, just to see that there was a woman of color in a lead. Uh, it's nice. But from the get-go, you know, it starts out challenging, like I said, gender roles with, you know, they're they're doing the make-out in the car and she's, you know, saying you need to go check on this. Like, I just thought you were a fucking man. Like, just some of these lines that are come out, you know, always, like, trying to, okay, this is what you expect me to be in this cutesy little quote-unquote girly box and be harmless and do blah, 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 blah. But that's not at all who she is. And here at the end, right. when this guy has pro- professed his love for her and says she doesn't really mean it. Spoiler. Sorry, everybody. Um, she, you know, I love the real you. And she's like, you don't know the real me. And the fact that it's her friend who knows her and who gets her. I really appreciate that as an ending rather than a cop-out of, oh, no, could easily get rid of the, you know, the female friend, you know, who's the sociopath. But, you know, and could have, she could have mended her horrible ways, the Sadie character. No, she's just as much a sociopath, too. So it's nice to see that the film didn't pull that punch. Vanessa, I will go you one yes. further. and And say that, it's not just a story of like her, you know, realizing that, oh, you don't know me. It's my friend who really knows me. This movie's construction is like any John Hughes romantic comedy. Like, I would argue this movie is more of a love story than it is a friend story. Not that there's anything physical between these two girls, but I, I think it's beyond friendship. Um, or at least all it has all the beats of that movie, yes. right? It's it, it's her having this real, you know. It's it's some kind of wonderful is the movie it reminds me the most <laughs> of, of like Eric Stoltz and uh uh Mary Stuart Masterson. Mary Stuart Masterson have this you know friend relationship that is close. And then he meets Leah right. Thompson, or in this movie, it would be yeah. the guy. Uh, and then, but the like the night of the big dance, he realizes, you know, Eric Stoltz realizes that it's Mary Stuart Masterson that he's been in love with all along. And in this movie, it's, you know, she belongs uh, with, with her friend. And I, yeah, I think, I, like, I think this is totally a horror romantic comedy. 
about these two girls who realize are, you know, particularly uh, Sadie who realizes that the person that, you know, <laughs> the person I've wanted has been right in front of me all along. Exactly. You know? exactly. Uh, well, if you've ever had a friend that you've had your whole life, there inevitably comes the time when one of them, uh, one of the friends is going to like branch out and get a significant other first. And there's always that bit of, you know, it's kind of bittersweet. Like on one hand, you're happy for them. And the other hand, you're, it's, there's some jealousy involved right. because you no longer can spend every waking moment together. Right. And, you know, it's a, it's a very real thing. And I think, yeah, Bo, I think you're right. I mean, it does have all the beats of a classic John Hughes, John Hughes love story, but that is also something that is extremely relatable to anyone who's had a friend like that, you know, or been on either side of that coin, whether you are the one who got the boyfriend or the girlfriend first, or whether you're the one who um, was sort of in a way left behind when the other friend did that, you know, and hell, you don't even have to be in high school for that to happen. It happens all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I'm glad I'm not alone then. Yeah, I, I think it's not to mention the fact that a lot of the kills are very funny and kind of gruesome. And there's a, a fun storyline where there's the serial killer that they have taken capture right. uh, who escapes and then hunts them. But it I, like all that stuff is real fun. I'll tell you, the, the one thing that is is strange uh, about experiencing this movie was that I I watched this and then got interested in other stuff Tyler McIntyre uh, had done because I thought Tragedy Girls was so strong. And then I watched Patchwork, which I actually think is the better movie that nobody really talks about. And it's, uh, I think, superior in almost every way to Tragedy Girls. And that's saying something. Have, have you, I, neither of you I have, have seen it? I have not seen that. It's on my list. I have a very long list of things to watch, though. Oh, shit. It's good. It's, it's in a way, it's much sillier. And I don't know. Maybe it's it's my own nostalgia, but it reminds me so much of Reanimator. I can't stand it. And it's very knowingly uh, <laughs> a bit of a, a tip of the hat to um, Reanimator. But the thing I like about it, not to talk about Patchwork instead of this movie... But the thing I liked about it is where this movie is is sort of, like you said, it's kind of playing against the gender types and gender norms and uh, uh, all, making its comments about social media and, and that kind of thing. But at times, I, I my biggest complaint with the movie, I think, is that at times it seems to be trying to say so many things that it muddles a more direct statement uh, that that perhaps it could make. And I think where Patchwork shines is it it is very much about the way that women communicate with one another. And it's a fascinating vehicle for that conversation. And it's so well done and it's gory and goofy and really weird and, and wonderful. And and much like Tragedy Girls, uh, filled with great performances. And I think we, we would be remiss not to mention again... Uh, Brianna Hildebrand, who plays Sadie, um, who's kind of the main character, really. It's sort of her movie. And then uh, Alexander Shipp, who plays Michaela, who's her 
her partner in crime and I, I think they're both terrific in this movie. Uh, I, I know that Brianna Hildebrand was in Deadpool. I thought she was really funny in that. I like her Nexus TV series, seen... too. Who was she in that? On the second season, she was like the oldest daughter in the house that was possessed. Oh, I haven't seen the second no, season. No, it was I, good. I, um, I, I think okay. it, the first That's season That's why was she was familiar to me. But, yeah. Uh, okay. They, and she got to play gay on that, too. Considering she's out uh, anyway in real life, but oh wow, okay. Well, d- at least by officially. Oh sure, All <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> but but that's uh, that's kind of interesting. I mean that that yeah okay yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> side note. But I yeah I've always I've liked her since I saw her in Deadpool. But yeah, I really like after watching her in the Exorcist TV series. I'm like, no, she's definitely an interesting performer. I think I wasn't f- familiar with many of the other actors in this. Um, I have to say. Yeah. I always like seeing Craig Robinson. Show well, yeah. I mean, other than Craig Robinson. makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And Nikki, uh, Whelan, I think is her name who played Mrs. Kent. Um, is, I, I know her from stuff. I think she was in, uh, sleepy hollow, the television series, not the movie. Josh Hutcherson from Twilight. I mean, from, Hunger. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Because he's kind of uncredited, but he has a really funny cameo in the Yeah, film. yeah, but it's kind of perfect that he's cast in that role. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, man. Yeah, yeah again, I, I feel like uh, I, I'm underselling Tragedy Girls by talking uh, up Patchwork a little bit. But Tragedy Girls is great. It's a great movie. It's it's smart. It's well done. It's well acted. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's very funny. Um, anybody else have... Points they want to make before we we score this thing. Um, I like the music in it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. I do. I love the really soundtrack. liked the music in this. Yeah, every bit of it. Yeah, and I loved little things that, like the fact that the gym was called Gunbusters, like, and it had like a picture of like muscles. Like I don't know, <laughs> it was something stupid that just made me giggle. <laughs> Yeah, it's filled with a ton of nice little touches yeah. throughout the movie. Like like you were saying, like there's a, a shot of, uh, I think it's Sadie and Michaela sitting across from each other. That is an exact shot from 16K. Yes, yes. There's a, a ton of stuff like that where I'm, I, you're just like, you know, I, I appreciate the fact that you're not drawing attention to this, but also not afraid to just be a bit brazen in the reference, but the characters don't know that. And I appreciate that. It's it, it, it is knowing and a little meta without ever bragging about it. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's do the, uh, let's keep the consistent grades here. Let's just do five stars, half stars allowed. Jamie. Yes. Scale of one to five. How good is tragedy girls? I'm going to say this is a, Hmm. I'm going to say it's a 4.5. All right. So let it be written. Vanessa. I would say 4.5 as well. Although that may change when I rewatch it. Because I, yeah, I, I'm enjoying it the more I see it. All right. Uh, I am going to go with a 4. Only because I have seen the other side of the mountain where Patchwork is. <laughs> And that's that's the four point five film, so uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen Tragedy Girls, 
Uh, it is a, a terrifically entertaining, and unlike our complaints with Thirty Days of Night, this movie's like what ninety? It, it's under hour forty, and it is brisk. Yeah. This movie, yeah, it it, yeah. it whips by. Yeah, and I also tend. I, apparently, I'm liking it more with each viewing because I liked it much more this time than I did upon my initial watch. So, it's one of those movies that grows on you, and I always dig that. Yeah, me too. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. We're going to take one more break, and then we'll be right back to wrap up the show. We'll see if Bo knows how to do it. I don't. Spoilers. Welcome back to episode 124 of Devour the Podcast. Gee, I hope you enjoyed it, uh, ladies and, and gentlemen. Vanessa, what did you think? Was it painful? Or have you heard anything? Uh, not yet. Should I ask for my money back? How much did you put in? Wait, and also you no. mean Jamie's not sharing that money with you? Jamie, you said I had to pay. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. Oh, okay, forget that. Oh. Forget I said that. Anyway. What a nest of vipers this show has become. <laughs> that was super fun. Jamie, yeah. always good to be with you as well. Um, I would like to know, as we wrap things up, what are, what are you going to be watching coming up that you're excited about that you want to tell people oh well i definitely plan on um hitting the theater this weekend to see a quiet place that's for sure i'm excited about that yeah yeah that looks pretty good yeah so yeah that's definitely on my radar um show wise oh check it out i'm gonna be on short bus i can't wait i've made them do the creeping terror and we're recording that tomorrow night Right on. Uh, any, anywhere else people need to be on the lookout for you? Well, uh, should have a new Cinema Beef coming out soon. I am also now a permanent member of the Married with Children podcast that drops every Wednesday. Uh, we're going through that episode by episode. Uh, there's a new Evil episodes that came out a little while ago. And we've got a new ABCs coming this week. And uh, we're taking a break from our Colossal Collection show to go back to... Original format with letter Q. So Dave's joining us, and uh, it's going to be like like it used to be. And for anybody who doesn't know what Colossal Collection is, that's <laughs> Brian and I have been digging, like <laughs> just going uh, going through our film collection. Right now, I'm kind of mired in this 20-pack of, it's called Nightmare Fuel, but they're full of shit. It's mostly late 80s really bad action movies like Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe, and, and Laser Mission. <laughs> Are you bad-mouthing Abraxas? Um, laser Mission. Uh, We've got to find the cold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I got through, I thought there was only one disc, so there were five movies. I was excited. We got to the end, and then Brian's like, oh no, there are four discs. There are 20 movies, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so uh, we're still trying to work our way through that one. And I guess they decided they could call it Nightmare Fuel because there is a Christopher Lee movie in it. Um, so, eh. But they have Christopher Lee on the cover and Vincent Price on the cover. And the first five movies are all action films from the 80s. So I don't know. Uh, it's fucking Mill Creek, I think. So there you go. Uh -oh. There you but go. that's you know we're still we're still trudging along. As of today, I have watched so far since January 193 movies. Wow! Yeah, and actually 194 if you count me watching Tragedy Girls twice. So 
I don't. <laughs> then 193. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Official count. Uh, Vanessa, what are you going to be watching that uh, you are excited about? And also, where can people find you? Well, I will start out. I'm on the VD Clinic. Also, VD Clinic podcast. <laughs> let me let me clarify that. Not just any random no, VD Clinic. VD clinic. Yeah, <laughs> not just advocating for uh, yeah, safe sex out there. Anyway. Just aren't go those, to a bus station. I'll be there. Aren't those called STIs now? Yes, they are. Okay. STDs, so. I know. Anything. Uh, what? Yeah. What sexually transmitted infection? Yeah. I suppose it's like every okay. generation has to have its own name. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it used to just be VD, and then it became STDs, and now it's STIs. Anywho, right. play safe. This ain't your daddy's STD. Play safe, kids. Um, but over there, we just released the episode of the graphic novel and movie of my friend Dahmer with Bo, um, as our guest, and next month. That was awesome. That was. I had so much fun. We had way too much fun with that. But next month we'll be doing Liquid Sky and um, reading the novel of A Lesson Zero. So, yeah. Drug-fueled 80s, baby. (laughs) Which I I, I continue to say is a criminally underheard soundtrack to a film is the Lesson Zero soundtrack. It's amazing. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. But we're not doing the Great. (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah, Any yeah. excuse to talk about that dancing yeah, song. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You don't hear any complaints from me. But uh, how can you bring back the dead? And I have to mention movie that I'm looking forward to watching. After Bo brought it up on Morbid Mondays yesterday, I had to go online and buy a copy of Embrace of the Vampire. <laughs> and why I don't own. Why yeah. I didn't own it already, I don't know why. I, but I, I, I do now, and it's going to be coming to me by the end of the week. So, <laughs> Jamie, this is a conversation maybe we ought to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it came up that both of us are weirdly obsessed with the film Embrace of the Vampire, starring Alyssa Milano. Are you familiar with am this I film? familiar with this film? <laughs> of course I am. I, I'm looking at a copy of it right now. Behind me. Uh <laughs> Should that be our next episode? The main movie for our next episode? <laughs> I would not complain. And uh, also, isn't there a remake of that coming out? There is there a is... remake already Oh, it's out, already it's out. Okay. Good. okay. That, assuming, of course, that your stance is the original is good. <laughs> well, it's Alyssa Milano. I, I have just this weird fascination with Alyssa Milano movies, period. I don't know. I don't know why. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right, it's it, 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 it let, let us uh, let us market the next episode of Devour the Podcast will feature Embrace of the Vampire, <laughs> which we should all be a little ashamed of. But I, I'll tell you what, that conversation's going to get weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> hopefully, and, no restraining orders uh, will be taken out on this. <laughs> I don't. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Can we also do Fear and Poison Ivy 2? <laughs> <You know, laughs> I'll tell you what. It is going to be up to the listeners, of course. On April 16th, on that Morbid Monday, uh, you will be able to help us pick the uh, the, the film we're going to be talking about. If you hop over to the Facebook group for Devour the Podcast, uh, we will be asking you, the listeners, 
for movies that are available on the major streaming services. Uh, once you have given us 10 of those, then on uh, the following Morbid Monday, we will uh, randomize, we'll spin the wheel, and and get the title for the next episode that we do. So you, the listener, will be the decider. Should it be Fear? Should it be Poison Ivy or Poison Ivy 2 or Poison Ivy the New Seduction? Should it be the remake of Embrace of the Vampire? Should it be something sexy or do we need a palate cleanser? And like, you know, because the perfect pairing would be something like, you know, Rosemary's Baby and Embrace of the Vampire. Uh, although we've done Rosemary's Baby, I believe. Have we not? I'm pretty sure we have. Okay. I believe we have. But at any rate, it, uh, that is in your hands, uh, gentle listeners. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be a good time. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone give any attention to Embrace of the Vampire beyond an embarrassing mention or two. <laughs> oh, maybe we should do like Vampire's Kiss or something. Uh, I, you know, again, it's up to the <laughs> listeners. Uh, we have no control over this. It is in their hands. If you want to pick another vampire movie, yeah. uh, I'd be down. Actually, there are so. a lot of different d- directions you could go. You could bounce off from that. So I'm interested exactly. to see what they have to say. Exactly. Yeah. So up. Up to you. Hop over to the uh, the Facebook group page. We will have a post there where you can leave your suggestion for a movie. Like I said, we are going to take the first ten. It has to be one that we have not done on Devour the Podcast. And uh, other than that, uh, no rules apply other than, of course, no wagering. Um, <laughs> and streaming services. And streaming services. Has to be Amazon, uh, Shutter. Netflix, Hulu, Netflix. Those are the four. Has to be on on one of those four. Or do we leave a Hulu out? Is it just Amazon, Netflix, Shutter? I don't have has to Hulu, be on those three. but okay, yeah, has to be on Amazon, Netflix, Shutter. Any of those streaming services, even if you don't have that streaming service, if uh, if there is a movie on them that is available to us uh, at no additional cost, we will watch it. Please be gentle. <laughs> and uh, as far as what I'm looking forward to watching, uh, I, I, I'm kind of interested in watching Terrifier. I don't know if I'm excited about that. And I'm kind of curious about that movie, uh, Pie Wicked. Oh, me too. Yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll be checking those out here pretty soon. Uh, and then as far as catching up with me, go to legionpodcasts.com where you can find this show and others. And, uh, yeah, uh, that's going to do it for our first time around with the, uh, the new and fresher smelling devour the podcast. (laughs) Yep. 33% more menstrual. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's accurate. Folks, if you learn nothing else, uh, tonight, I hope it's that, uh, any final thoughts from you two lovely ladies? No, no. (laughs) <laughs> no, I've had a really good time. All right. Excellent. Say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Sheesh. Good night. Yeah.
Devour the 